All right. If you listen to last week's episode, yes, we're never going to win any award for having the best jokes on a podcast. But that doesn't mean we can't give out awards of our own, especially if it's to some of gaming's all-time best and bootiest. So that's what we're going to do in this week's Checkpoint Chat as we unveil our first and probably last annual all-time game awards. And of course, before that, we'll talk about 12 Minutes, the new Tales of Arise demo, some more thoughts about Metal Gear Solid 2, and of course, Pokemon Legends RC Car... RKO Armadeus trailer, and then the cooldown countdown, where we go over our sixth favorite games of all time. And of course, you know us. Per usual, one of us is probably randomly going to bust out in song at some point in this episode. The question is who's going to get to it first, but who knows? Who knows? It's going to be me! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Welcome you back to the Cooldown Time Podcast. This is episode 15, and in honor of the highly anticipated release of 12 Minutes, this episode's going to be 12 hours long. <laughs> All right, okay. Oh, man. Okay, maybe not, maybe less, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Pablo, and with me, as always, the other host, Marco. What's up, man? Man, I got shit to do. I don't know about 12 hours, man. Hey, we, not raising we have, no charities or fundraisers or nothing on this hey, either. It's just, we, it's a commitment, and it's a bit... Wouldn't it be hilarious to actually do 12 hours just to, for a commitment uh, to the bit? Huh? No? Okay. Uh, well, we got a... Uh, <laughs> nope. You're saying no. All right. He's shaking his head. Uh, no. He's oh, like, I wish I didn't this was alcohol in my cup. <laughs> we got it going for you. Uh, we got them loadouts. We got them checkpoint chats. Uh, we're going to oh, be giving yeah. out some awards, 15 of them, all 15 awards given out today. And of course, the cooldown time countdown keeps rolling with number six. And do us a favor, tell your friends, your daddy, your mommy, your crusty grandparents to subscribe mm. to our show <laughs> on their favorite podcast streaming platform. And no, tell your grandma this ain't a radio show. It's, it's a podcast. Not. No. And tell her she's musty. Tell her she's Even musty. She's yeah. not. She might be, though. <laughs> uh, and uh, give us a follow on social media. Uh, we're on IG, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow us there at Cooldown Time Pod. So enough of the preamble. Enough, I say. Let's get into the loadouts. Right into it, Marco. You want to start us off with some loadouts? I do. But first and foremost, I want to say um, you are an impeccable singer. The cold yep. open was 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 magnificent. Um, it, I, I, I wasn't it, expecting you to jump in like that, but you, you did your thing. Mm -hmm. All right. It, I made the cold open warm. You know, all right. It's a my first game. game. My no, nope, no, nope, like we're a, done. My like first diaper, game, baby diaper. After a nice little long pee. All right, we we got time to start this over. We can we, we can said do this twelve back hours. How <laughs> <laughs> we got to fill this in for twelve hours? Yeah, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Nineteen eighty six. All right, um, all, right <laughs> all right, so um, all right, man. So so the game that that we both have uh, have been playing uh, since it came out yesterday. Um, you more than me, I think for sure. For sure, is uh, is twelve minutes. So, um, got a chance to try it out uh, yesterday when it when it went live um, on Game Pass, and it's been an interesting one for me, um, really on a couple different levels. Because I, I I'll, I'll just kind of say off rip, the game is not for me, um, and and it didn't take terribly long uh, for me to come to that conclusion, just based on the type of game that it is and what it's expecting. 
players to do in terms of figuring out the, you know, basically the puzzle of, of, of what's going on uh, in this in this window of time that's happening where essentially, um, you know, a couple in an, uh, an apartment, um, you know, suddenly has this quote unquote police officer um, talk to them and eventually, you know, tie them up and, and choke the shit out of uh, the guy that you're playing as. While accusing your your partner of of killing her father uh, some time ago, so it's a pretty you know it, it's got that that mystery that suspense to it. It's got that you know kind of a, a slight bit of the who done it aspect of it as you're trying to figure out if there's actual truth to it or not. As you're going back through the loops uh, to try to you know peel back the layers a little bit more. Um, and, and, you know, it was a game that I was really looking forward to pretty much ever since it was first uh, revealed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I know that, you know, you felt the same way. I, I just think that for me, um, given the fact that, and, and, and not to say that I didn't know this coming into it, but given the fact that it's, um, you know, it's got the point-and-click adventure um, kind of uh, structure to it, you know, in terms of gameplay and controls, uh, coupled with the fact that, there's a lot of tedium to the game in terms of going back through the loops again, seeing all the same things that you have already seen for the most part. Um, you know, having that limited amount of time to kind of figure out the next thing you need to do or uh, the next thing to solve for before the loop starts over again, um, to me was just really um, more irritating than it was fun. Uh, and I'm just one of those gamers that I, I don't want to do the same thing uh, literally in, in a loop over and over again. I want to feel progress. And I don't want to kind of beat my head against the wall uh, when it comes to games like like these, per se. Um, going back to the point-and-click adventure thing, to me, I think this is an example of a game that didn't really need to be a point-and-click, uh, in my opinion. I, I think that there's definitely still a space for point-and-click adventures overall, but I think that those opportunities are, are not as broad as they used to be when they were you know more prominent back in the day because they're kind of in a lot of ways i kind of liken them to to tank controls from an action adventure game right like there was a time for them but now they're really not as necessary anymore and when i played uh 12 minutes i i couldn't help but feel like this doesn't have to be a point and click i could i could easily just maneuver my my character with my analog stick and go to whatever room I wanted or whatever object I wanted to interact with. And I can just do that. Like it just kind of felt unnecessary. Um, and you know, now despite that, does the point and click feel annoying? Is it, is it clunky? Is it cumbersome? Only slightly. I, it, it wasn't as bad as I was, you know, led to believe it was from some reviews, but I think for me, it just, uh, you know, altogether the way the game controls, uh, you know, what it's asking you to do just didn't really connect with the, with me that much. So I, I actually bounced off of it pretty quickly. Um, but I know that you stuck around for it uh, a, a lot longer than me. So tell, talk to me about kind of where you're at. Yo, well, a few things. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying about the uh, point and click uh, aspect of the game. But I, I actually do disagree with you in that I think that the, the point and click, uh, point click, point crip, hey, let's go. <laughs> uh, the point and click aspect of it really adds to the tension of the game itself because, I mean, there's no, you don't freely move around the apartment. There's there's this kind of, uh, of I, I would say there is this kind of clumsiness to movement that really adds to 
to how the, the tension does ramp up towards the end, where there's certain things that you know you need to accomplish before the time runs out, and having to go through some menus, mixing things, and and, and kind of combining things to make that happen, or moving here in, in a in a manner in which is, is timely before you actually run out of time, I think that really adds to the whole experience of it, especially as you get a little bit deeper into, into the game, and when you start kind of realizing, okay, I need to make sure to do all these things, and so that, that adds to it for me. Um, so I've been playing it a lot, uh, a lot longer because I'm still playing it even now, and it's funny because um, I definitely think that the tedium of the game, the repetition of the game itself, is something that I am going to have to reckon with down the road, uh, because once I get stuck in something, uh, knowing that I have to kind of repeat that day, either I've reached the end of the loop uh, too early, or I've done something that's kind of fucked up the loop that I'm trying to kind of there's certain things that I want to accomplish in it. Knowing that I have to restart that loop in that sense is quite, is a, is a point of, of anxiety almost. Like, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that definitely does suck. And I will say from the onset, just to kind of give an, a very surface level uh, kind of review so far, is that I love the game, but I also am slightly disappointed by the game itself because I... I, I I know that when you say time loop, of course you're gonna. F there's gonna be a repetition involved in it, but still, it just no nothing really. You can't really do anything about that until you're actually playing the game to actually experience that repetition. And it does feel a little bit. Sl uh, it's gonna be a slog eventually. However, as it stands right now, uh, I I do love I do love the the space that the game is set in. I love how small it is. I love how there's certain things that you can do a slightly different way it's going to yield a massive different uh, uh, result uh, in, in the story itself I like that that your actual objective isn't really to find out what your wife did or didn't do but rather to end the loop because I about an hour and a half in I know everything I know exactly what happened I know uh, the mystery is solved for me but the interesting thing about that is you th you think going into it you want to really make sure did your wife do this right but really that's yeah. not that's not the end of it really what it is is you need to end the loop you need to get out of it your desperation for for the game itself really leads to, to a point where it's kind of like um, you just got to get out of uh, out of the whole thing you, in your mind and, and within the actual selection of, of kind of uh, conversation pieces you can choose to either side with your wife one way or the other whether it is I don't want to spoil it so I'm not going to spoil it here but it you can you can specifically pick a side with your wife and know exactly where you stand and throughout the whole game you can talk to her and with within that context of how you want to play your story but what's interesting is is it's just kind of everything else getting out of the loop what all right i know where i'm at i know exactly what how, what she did or didn't do i'm here now how the fuck do i get out of this loop and that's where i'm at right now that's kind of where where i've kind of been where uh, i'll give you a quick example i managed to kind of subdue the cop right and so i have the cop subdued right now um i got his phone i got his daughter's phone number things i'm writing down these things are leading to dead end so far again i have i have the cop but in order for me to subdue the cop so far i have to in a way <laughs> subdue my wife and so there, there's i've never get that 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 kind of position right now where i'm able to have my wife there alert 
the the cop there, uh, you know, tie down and kind of go through what exactly I need to accomplish. I know that there's something about a watch. I know there's something that needs to happen. I just haven't found a way to uh, to finish that. And that's keep that that specifically has kept me going throughout the entire game itself. Um, but again. I'm going to get to a point where I'm completely stuck and I'm not going to want to restart it and I'm not going to want to be able to to keep going. I know that about myself. But it is super cool to go into the the loop and go, all right, here's what I'm going to do and have a list of things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to grab the spoon. I'm going to grab the fake light fixture. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to... And in kind of setting all that up and there's certain things that are time sensitive, not only because of 12 minutes, but because of the character of your wife does certain things at certain times and so you want to get to those things before she gets to those things. So anyway... With all said and done, uh, voice acting is phenomenal. Uh, I heard some things about people saying that voice acting wasn't great because of certain uh, tonal things when you pick. I, I think that's all bullshit. I think th- th- William Defoe, uh, McAvoy, and Diz- Daisy Ridley all do an incredible job with the game and really adds to the game itself. If the game had no kind of vo- like no uh, voices or anything like that, or it was just kind of like like most point and click which is all text based it would it would have been a drastically different game because you get that emotionality from those well-trained actors in a lot of those com and a lot of those uh, choices that you make with with uh, conversation so i'm all about the game as of right now i do see the things the little cracks on, on on the on the actual gimmick of the game itself where i know that i'm eventually going to get bored but right now i'm all about it i really love 12 minutes but again uh, it's it, if you ask me is that a game you recommend it's on game pass that's the most i can tell you i don't think it's a game for everybody as as witnessed here by marco who you know just just not it's not for him and i don't and i not do not and i do not disagree with him in that sense it is not for everybody it is a no. it is a very difficult ask of a game and thematically there's some tough shit in this game like I, you know there was there was a moment where i had to literally shoot myself and he didn't die immediately uh, it was rough. It was a rough little thing to look at. But yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's move on. Um, you know, another game that, or another demo, I should say, that we have both uh, gotten a chance to test out is uh, Tales of Arise. So uh, this is the uh, the upcoming installment, uh, much anticipated, uh, of from the Tales series. Um, and I uh, got a chance to try out the demo uh, the other day, and I, I kind of came away with it a little mixed, man. I think I think that this for for, for, for fans of, of Tales, I think there's a lot to look forward to in terms of, I think, the leap in, in, the, in the feeling of polish that this, this, this game seems yeah. to have right off the bat was very, was very prevalent for me. And I think that um, the controls, to me, feel very sensible. Uh, I liked the way the game looks. It looks way better than I expected it to look. I think there's really HDR does. as well. Um, so a really nice looking game and, and the game you know runs relatively well um, despite all the things that are going on in battles and stuff I just think that right now there's there's two major concerns that I have maybe three number one is I think that this game's cast of characters seems more on the boring side um, after kind of you know uh, getting a feel for some of what they say and, and some of the skits you can do um, uh, which aren't very many at all uh, in this demo, but none of them really like leapt off the screen for me in a big way, and I didn't really care for the main characters, uh, the two main characters. I think it's, and I don't remember their names at all, so um, I'll, I'll have to skip past that part. But they didn't seem very compelling to me uh, very early on, and and I think the other issue is from a combat standpoint. This game is very flashy, um, and it, almost to a fault, where it's it feels like a light show sometimes more so than it feels. Um, deliberate or 
um, tactful. I think, you know, coming off the heels of playing uh, East 9, Monstrum Knox, which I loved, um, this game's combat to me felt much more button mashy to me, where there wasn't a lot of... It didn't feel like you really had to be very strategic or thoughtful. It just felt like you could do a bunch of crazy-ass, cool-looking abilities um, and, and nice-looking moves and some dodge rolls. And it didn't really feel like there was a lot of depth there that um, I would want out of a game like this. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's just the demo being a demo and not really reflective of what the rest of the game is going to be like full-on. And I think the, the last one is more of a minor complaint, but it's... Sorry, there's like a fucking FedEx truck outside that's deciding to clang out here. I hate FedEx. <laughs> Um, the last thing is, uh, I, I think that for me, in the combat, um, there is combat dialogue that happens constantly. Everyone is fucking talking at the exact same time. I'll get them. They can't stop me. Oh, no problem at all. Didn't break a sweat. Blah, blah, blah. My ability move. And everyone's talking, and there's no uh, option like there is in Xenoblade to... Uh, to, to lower that volume or mute it completely. So combat is actually kind of obnoxious from an audio standpoint because no one shuts the fuck up while they're fighting at all. It just does, it never stops. So I think things like that um, give me uh, some, some cause for pause um, before I would commit to this game. So I don't know if this is a day one for me, to be honest. I think it's something I'm going to wait on and see what reviews are looking like and how the story uh, is is received from uh, fans of the Tales series before I, I, I take that leap. Um, otherwise, I'll just wait till it's on sale. But I'll definitely get it at some point because I think it is uh, very uh, interesting, to say the least. But what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think that this demo does a bad job in kind of giving you the the heart of of tales game in that's in that sense because uh in tales of Berseria, there comes to a certain point in that game where you are these you're like these characters you're fully powered up you're out there just kind of hacking and slashing and and and, and it feels a little bit like it, especially if you have not ramped up to that it feels a little bit like just eye candy though there are there is there is a, a depth to the combat it's just right now that that wasn't really told explained to you in the demo itself there's certain Not things really. that the shows yeah. that you can yeah. do but ultimately it's all a spectacle it's all fireworks and you know exploding this and that and doing all these kind of different combos and moves with all the players and having the one button the d-pad thing where you can do like a team up uh, uh move and stuff like that so I think that the demo does a good job for fans of the of the Tale series. Where I'm not one of those myself, but I just came off of playing a lot of Berseria myself, so I know exactly kind of I, the the feel of it feels very similar to that, but into the into the next generation of of, of, um, of consoles. I will say yeah. this: I, I think that a lot of your a lot of your concerns will either be addressed or won't be addressed in terms of the quality of the story itself. I, I think uh, one of the things that Tales does well, for the most part, is its story. And so, uh, you know, everything that I, I witnessed in the previous game, and kind of the the, the 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 themes of this one, I'm I'm fairly confident that, you know, going into it from the beginning and playing it and kind of getting to know these characters, that you'll feel you'll feel more for these characters itself because in the beginning of Brazaria itself, the first almost two hours it's just character building there are fights and stuff but it's very much about your character getting to know her getting to know the things that happened to her brother it's like it's it's a very meticulous 
slow moving plot at the beginning because it's all character building it's all telling by your character it's all kind of filling that in so i feel like that's probably what's going to happen with this game because you're, you're dropped in right into the middle of it you're you seem to be fully powered up you got everything going for you already so there seems to be that going on so um I, I'm, I'm really excited for it i think everything that the demo showed is is you know combat wise is definitely uh exciting and i'm and, and I, the demo i wasn't gonna play it because i'm pretty much sold in the series though but i kind of wanted to give myself just a little bit of that that taste of that game what it would be like and, and i came out of on the other side uh pretty positive on it um you know the only way that this game could be a complete failure would be story based uh and and i, I guess right. at the at that sense there will be that that wait for the review like the day of if it's good then i'll get it yeah and if it's like hey this story is absolute horseshit then I, that you're gonna take away like sixty percent of the appeal for me uh, when it comes mm -hmm. to these games itself. So um, I, I'm excited for it. And I think the the characters I looked them up here for you. They're Alfin and Shioni. That's those are the the very um, cool names. Just yeah. kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah not sure about that. Um, yeah, but uh, right, but yeah, I, 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 we'll see what happens here. It comes out uh, in a couple of weeks. I think uh, September yeah. 10th. So I'm I'm super excited uh, for the potential cool. of the game. All right. Yeah, and yeah. I think the last one on my list, uh, you know, to kind of get into my retro bag for a little bit is uh, Onimusha Warlords. Um, I've been playing the PS2 version of that um, pretty diligently. Uh, it's a pretty short game, so I think I'm already about halfway through it again. But, man, is this game just – man, it's it's just so fucked up. And, and I think you talked about it on the previous <laughs> episode with reviving uh, franchises that, that Onimusha was one of them that you chose – and man, going back and playing this game again, it, it's just it's just so nice to play it. I mean, yeah. it, it's not as hard of a game now as it was back then because we're so used to the Sekiro's of the world and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, Ninja Gaiden when that came out, so it's pretty easy um, at its default difficulty. So I'm having no trouble you know getting through the game whatsoever. But I don't care. I mean, it's just it's just so well done. Um, you know, it still holds up in, in a lot of ways other than the tank controls, which I think the re the remaster that came out a couple years ago uh, addressed by giving a, a more modern control thing. But tank controls for me... Well, bar barely. Yeah, yeah. It, but, it, you know, tank controls for me never was a, a huge issue. It's it's my point and click, uh, you know, to, to kind of liken it to something of, of yours. But um, I'm loving it. I'm having a good time with it. I think it's more than worth it. I already have number two uh, on the way that should be getting here in the next couple of days. So I'm looking forward to playing that one again because I didn't I don't think I actually beat Onimusha, uh, Onimusha 2. So um, I'm, I'm kind of hyped about that now that I'm, you know, coming back to the first one and having such a good time. So, I, think two is, um, I think two is just as good as one. Cool, cool, yeah, yeah. I don't remember too much about it, so I, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. hyped. But uh, yeah, that, that takes care of my uh, my end of the loadouts, man. What else you got on your side? Just some quick hits here. Um, Marco was talking about Metal Gear Solid last week and, and all the mm -hmm. retro gaming he's doing. I'm not doing the retro gaming part of it. Um, you know, that's a that's a Marco thing. It's an investment, man. Which, uh, which by which by the way, uh, <laughs> I got a I got I got something that I might want to give you so you can. Uh, we'll talk about it off air. But just kind of like to, to kind of you know add more to the to the um, old school retro gaming stuff. But anyway, um, the right. sky. Uh, so I'm playing. Um, for those of you, for those of you who know me, are gonna be like hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing uh, the uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD uh, for Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's a game that I've always eventually gonna try. I mean, I'm a huge Zelda fan. I was just giving myself some time and found it on sale. <laughs> 
for and, and really what it is it's because physical form and so i'm like i'd rather have this and i kind of want to collect all the zelda games in the physical form themselves to kind of have as a collection anyway so whatever I'll, I'll do that here but um i i let me give you kind of a quick uh back back uh story when i when this game first came out i played a I didn't play through it, but I played some of it, and the motion controls were a point of contention for me, a point of frustration for for many people. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. and I really and I know and I've seen a lot of people out there, uh, and and uh, and I know people who who, who actually like the, the the those control schemes. They thought it was interesting for whatever reason. Uh, I but, you want know, more, names. More power, more power to. The, uh, to them, but for me, that it was a point of contention. The point where it kind of marred, and and my my whole entire vision of the game, it kind of put the game itself in, in in a in a in a position within the rankings of the Legend of Zelda games. That pretty much for me, it's dead last, and I'm not sure that it's gonna move out of that place because of the fact of the quality of games of all the other Legend of Zelda games. Um, maybe it's better than Zelda than Zelda Two, and I'm not a huge fan of Majora's Mask myself. It's maybe it's better than that. But I have to say, it is the most different of the Zelda games from the mainline Zelda games that I've that I've experienced because it really opens up it, it is the prequel to all of Legend of Zelda. It is in the timeline the number one game, right? It is it is atop there. So you yeah. kind of get the the backstory of the of Link's outfit, his tunic. You, you get the backstory of that. You, you kind of see him quote unquote don it for the first time, and it is for a person that for myself who is a fan of this was kind of special moment still seeing that happen, even though it's you know it was still kind of dope as shit seeing the the first link don the the green tunic for the first time, and them having it to comment about that within the game was pretty funny, um, and just kind of the music uh, uh, of the game itself adding to that, it, and it's and it's super. It's different. It's super different. There's a flying mechanic with with your uh, with your bird that you get in the game. There's so many really cool things about the game that no other game has done before or since, and it really gives it a, a, a it gives Link and it gives Zelda a a personality that they haven't really ever had before. Before it was Link was very uh, he was kind of an avatar to you. Like you, you you literally name him whatever you want in most of the games. And and Zelda just existed to be very sad, upset, and get kidnapped. Like uh, when when it comes to, to this game, they're more like high school sweethearts, and they have more personality. They're very flirtatious with each other. It's very sweet. There's also three bullies from the school, from the night school. Mm. It, it's all very like sweet storytelling, but but it's it's different enough to where I feel like I'm playing. I'm playing it for the. It feels almost like I'm playing it for the first time. But I am really enjoying my time with, with the game itself. Uh, the new control scheme is not without its problems, but man, is it better than. Um, oh, it uh, can't get than, any worse than how it was originally. Mo- yeah, the motions. I turned off all motion. Period, and it almost. I can almost. Uh, compare those control schemes to tank controls because everything you do is very it's very purposeful like every swing of the sword is done a specific x and y axis and looking around isn't as simple as moving the right sword because that's your sword swinging thing so you have to Mm -hmm. hit the r1 to kind of move the camera so it just feels a little bit um antiquated and it is but also it's not a complete like 
it's not complete shit. It, it works well enough uh, to where it's actually uh, it, it's enjoyable to play. So that's kind of where I'm at with Skyward Sword. I'm still within the opening hours. I, I mean, I've already made it to the surface and I've played through the dungeon there, but it's still you know fairly close to the beginning. And then, um, uh, yeah, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, which, by the way, I just thought about this. I opened up the preamble about uh, talking about you retro gaming with going <laughs> into Metal Gear, and I went into Legend of Zelda, so that's cool. I'm, I'm just letting you be hypocritical. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep no, going. but then uh, uh, but Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, uh, playing that and um, enjoying the shit out of it. I love it very much. I always loved the game itself. Uh, but playing it now and, and kind of like seeing it... Uh, how 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 it, it kind of aged so well like the art style everything about that game still works even today um it, it feels very like like i don't i don't know what feels very like a painting almost because it feels painterly because of the of the color schemes of the of uh, of um of outer heavy, what's it, no it's a what's it called a big shell uh just kind of like the 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 art style of it, it just works really well. The oranges and, and the grays and all that with the backdrop of your character and the shocking white mm. hair. All that yep. just feels very painterly in that way. And it works so well. The controls are a fucking always... Even then, I think the controls were kind of cumbersome. You do a lot to get to the uh, to get to the first person view. But it works. It works so well. I really am enjoying my time with Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. I'm almost done with it. As a matter of fact, I'm right there uh, about to... I'm about an hour away from finishing the game. Excited hey. to get into, into Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, uh, Snake Eater, which, you know, one of my favorite games of all time. Can't wait to play that. But that's, that's where I'm at right now. Man, Metal Gear Solid 2 better be on that top 10 of yours, my friend, my guy. It's not. I'm going to fight you with my fingers and my knuckles. It's not because it, might, it probably would have made it, you know, <laughs> in retrospect, but it is, I have to say, it's not on there. Man, that's all right. It's all right. Um, all right, man. So that takes care of the games that we're playing in our loadouts. So let's go ahead and shift gears to our news portion of our loadouts. And we have quite the grab bag of stuff here. Um, starting with Pokemon Presents. Um, Pablo, this was a pretty um, important event um, that we knew was, was going to happen to kind of give more information about all of the, uh, you know, the new Pokemon stuff that's coming out. Uh, we got a lot of new information about... Um, you know, Pokemon X and Y, uh, or no, is it X and Y? No, no, no. It's it's, uh, uh -oh. it's Pearl and and, uh, Diamond. and and Diamond. I think yeah. So um, why don't you kick it off and talk to me a little bit about how you're feeling about this event and and what are your thoughts on on uh, of course um, Pokemon Ar 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 Armageddon. <laughs> no man, it's it's uh, it's uh, Pokemon Arceus, Archaeology, Arche um, ankles right. exactly. Is Pokemon Legends ankles? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one thing I want to say is I, I think uh, everything I've seen with Pokemon, you know, when Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were uh, announced, uh, artistically, that art style kind of looked a lot like uh, Pokemon Go art style. Um, it has since then, I feel like, and I could be completely wrong, uh, maybe it could be just the areas that they showed, it looks like there's an improvement to the visuals of it, uh, and it looks a lot better than, uh, than initially uh, I thought. And... I don't know if I'm going to play these games, but I might just based on, on what they showed. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not really a Pokemon fan. Um, I can't say that I've ever been excited for a Pokemon game uh, before release, but I always end up buying them because they are at, at the heart 
RPG games, and they are yeah, of pretty much, you know, they're, they're done well enough. There's, I don't think there's ever been a Pokemon game that uh, I think mechanically is bad. Um, so the, at the very least, they, 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 it could be repetitive, sure, but at yeah, the very least, say, you know yeah. what you're, yeah, you know what you're getting once you're coming into these games. And so, you know, I guess it really depends on reviews of the game itself. But I am, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm looking forward to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I am, however, excited enough to tell you that the visual upgrade of it, or at least the per, what I'm, the perception of a visual upgrade. It got it's getting me a little bit more excited to, or a little bit more interested in in possibly trying these games out. Uh, but again, yeah. we'll see because I, I don't want to out Pokemon myself before uh, that's, Pokemon that's Legends, part of it too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ar- Archipelago. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's like the chibi look is just not doing it for me, man. I don't know what it is. Yeah. That that the way it looks, I, I understand that it's it's trying to stay faithful to the way the game looked originally, but. To me, it's a step backward from how Sword and Shield looked in in that sense. So it just doesn't do yeah, it much but at, as much but at for the same me. Time, uh, that Sword I think and Shield is more like a mainline game, and this is like a off sh- like because Pokemon Go didn't a uh, Pokemon Let's Go did they didn't, they didn't look particularly great themselves either at least compared yeah, to like the they didn't look like Pokemon. Chibi style though or no no it wasn't, yeah, yeah, it wasn't Chibi style yeah. yeah so yeah it's a little tough for me on this one I, I don't know if I'm gonna pick it up to be honest I might just wait yeah I wouldn't blame you. And then we got, of course, Pokemon Legends, and, and I'll just say the name right, I, I think it's right, Arceus. Um, so we got a chance to see it in motion again after uh, after it was first revealed. Um, in motion? It, you know, the, the frame rate was, was, it was framing, it was framing, but uh, man, uh, that was not a very pretty looking game, dude. Um, and I think it's not just because of like textures and, and the technicalities of things. I think it's also with kind of the art design as well. Yeah. I think there's something that's a little off with it. It looks a bit um, drab is probably the best word I can use for it. Like I, I, that's not a world that I would be excited to go explore. Um, you know, and I think, and I think if, if, if they're trying to make some spiritual equivalent of what Breath of the Wild was for Zelda. I think you have to have a compelling world to want to traverse. And I just don't think that there's any real um, spirit to that world from what I'm seeing. It just feels like a big, big map to go and catch some Pokemon. And that's what it's supposed to be at at its core, I get. But at the same time, it just doesn't feel like there's any real um, substance to that that world from from what we saw of the gameplay. I'm sure they're not showing us everything, and there's probably a lot of towns and whatever, villages and stuff to go, you know, browse around. Um, And and I just feel like the, like, you know, the, the setup of that open world doesn't make for a really compelling experience from even the Pokemon themselves, because... When you you see that trailer, you're just kind of seeing Pokemon just kind of roaming around. Like they don't really yeah. look like, like there's any purpose to what they're doing. There's no real rhyme and reason. They, they're not in the middle of doing anything other than just waiting to be attacked or caught. Like so, it just doesn't feel meaningful in that in a sense um, that I would I'd be really excited about. Now I do think that the, some of the stuff that they announced about the gameplay and, and some of the things that they're doing differently to change things up is kind of interesting. Um, so yeah. I'm still. I would say I'm still at about the same hype level as I was in our last episode when we talked about it, but I think that I'm just a little bit more concerned now about the open world not being compelling enough for me. Um, but how are you feeling about it? I mean, there's a certain vision that a lot of Pokemon fans have about what a game, a new Pokemon game in the new, uh, on a new console should be. And it is basically now what, 
and and even what people have said that we know is that it, they wish it was Breath of the Wild, but Pokemon. Right, right, right. And the problem is, is, is I don't know if if uh, if Game Freak has it in them to create something that beautiful and, and that compelling, or if it's something that they're working within the they're still working within the frame of the Switch itself. Because yeah, Breath of the Wild is absolutely beautiful and it is. Uh, stunning and it is uh, an amazing game but there are certain things that that game has taken uh its liberty uh, has taken in terms of shortcuts that that, that world is is essentially dead there's nothing ho- happening in breath of the wild it, right you know, there's, there, there's not a lot there there's it's just little clusters of enemies yeah yeah but it's not a lot happening there and so you know having a game like pokemon uh arceus and having all these pokemon out there there's certain things that they can and cannot do and i don't think and i know they they can't make a Breath of the Wild game that a uh, uh, a Breath of the Wild stylistically style uh, a game of style like that, and have all those Pokemon everywhere like that. It just right. I don't think the system can can. Oh, of course not. Can, can, can do it. No. I mean, it's struggling with 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 this, and it's and it just seems like a a, a very open world, a Pokemon sure, but there's nothing happening everywhere else except those little clusters of fucking pokemon that are happening you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they had to do in order to make this game run here i just i just don't i I am interested in this game for the mechanics and for the interesting things that they're doing and obviously this is a step towards the right direction for sure yeah yeah. Uh, but i because i feel like every other pokemon game have taken smaller steps to a better game and i think this is the biggest step that they've taken thus far um however uh you know it still doesn't look absolutely the the vision is not complete let's just oh, say no. that. the vision think, is not to complete. me it doesn't seem so yeah yeah, yeah it, it'll, it'll be a couple of years but hey i'll tell you what if we can get one day a breath of the wild kind of art art style type game with pokemon everywhere and also hopefully you know it make make it make sense in that sense where pokemon are roaming around like it's not just like a random pokemon in this area like uh, you know I, I, that, this is, this looks like it would be the, the, this looks like the step towards that. We just have to wait, hopefully not a long time, but probably uh, a long time. Yeah, yeah. probably. It, yeah. The vision is, is not complete. There's still a lot to go there. Uh, and so we shall see here yeah. uh, what exactly transpires from here and then. And to see how well the game runs and to see whether or not I'll play it. Depends. I mean, if it plays like shit, I, it, it'd be hard for me to, to jump back on that. Oh, absolutely. Or get on that. Yeah. 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 I can't disagree there. All right. Um, so moving on, um, man, we got an exciting rumor um, that that's got me really, really looking forward to Gamescom because the rumor, word on the street or the row, if you will, is that a new Saints Row reboot is uh, is 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 about to get announced. Uh, it, it's almost it's almost not a rumor at this point. I mean, it's it's pretty much going to happen from from what I'm understanding. Yeah. So, um, gotta say, I'm I'm a little confused about why it's a reboot. Um, because I don't know if there's really a ton of lore um, on the Saints Row franchise that that's that's really like oh how how could they scrap that that's just so, that's just an important plot piece like there's none of that I mean it's Johnny Gad there's you know the, the usual Shondi those characters um, so I don't know if reboot fully makes sense to me so I'm I'm curious to see what they're gonna do and why they want to do a reboot instead of just a Saints Row five or something but. 
Either way, it's Saints Row. I think it is the perfect time for Saints Row to make a comeback. I've been uh, dying to hear some news about this because it's been talked about uh, even before E3. There was talks of um, you know them, them showing it back then, but they said it wouldn't be there. So I'm ready to check it out. I've been dying for a new Saints Row forever. Um, and I'm just looking forward to Gamescom, and hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about in the next episode about it. But um, how are you feeling? I think uh, Saints Row got to a point there where it kind of jumped a shark already. It's it, 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 Every game is trying to outdo the game before it, and it's got to a point where nothing's ever come close to three. Uh, and, you know, four, was it four? Uh, what was four? It was when well, you were the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were the before president. You were the, you were the goddamn president, and also it was like excellent. <laughs> it, it, it just it just got to a point where it's like, all right, ramp it up, ramp it up. And I would really love to see the first Saints Row, the idea of the first Saints Row, with the, you know, with the sensibilities of three and four, hmm. and two, certain two to extent. Because one was self serious. One was we're trying to be Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft yeah, Auto. it was a San Andreas answer yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. So. If they're able to remake that game, obviously with all the bells and whistles graphically, but with the sensibilities rewrite it, obviously sensibilities of three and four, that would be pretty dope because it would leave it open to eventually ramping it up again rather than starting from ten, and then having to go as high. You know, if you can start a little lower, but I like ten. Gra- Ten's a good number. No, no, but I'm saying even within the first, <laughs> even within the game itself, it's like. Yeah, this is a reboot, and you know in your head that it's a reboot, and so having that game itself just kind of, all right, we're starting over. You're not the president, okay? <laughs> but, you know. You're not so, in space to, either, because they were yeah, in space too. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're not in and space. Hell. Literally hell. Oh, that's right, yeah, with Johnny Gat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so none of that, but it, it's it's a wacky fucking, you know, open world game, sandbox type thing. I'd be down for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, up next on our loadout news, um, Pablo, why don't you kick this one off and tell us what's going on with Halo Infinite? We got a little update about their roadmap. Um, tell me what's going on and how you're feeling about it. Yeah, uh, well, the Halo, uh, the t- the Halo Infinite team m- does a monthly update, and uh, this update, they've basically said that they've taken all the feedback from the um, from the beta or the um, how do you call it? What are the, they call the it? Technical the preview? technical preview? Yeah, so. technical yeah. preview. They said they, they fixed pretty much all the issues, and they also found an issue within their system on their end that was making the game run at a 20% uh, less in terms of uh, graphical output and even uh, like frames and all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. they found that nobody had talked, nobody found that. They found that while they were going into the system itself and found that there. Uh, but they unfortunately had to make some sacrifices in order to make. To let the game come out this year, they still don't have a a concrete release title, a date. They said themselves that they don't know when; they just know holiday 2021. Uh, and so, in order to make that, in order to release the game, in order to release single player and the multiplayer all in one, they uh, ha- they cut out the co-op campaign feature and the forge feature, uh, and they're gonna release it probably sometime within the next year after release. Yeah. Uh, in order to concentrate on, on things like that, um, on the single player and the multiplayer, I, I think that if you have to cut two features off the game, these are the ones that go, um, because if if it's gonna take away from the single player or any time that you can put into the multiplayer in terms of polish, yeah, I mean definitely, these are the ones that can go. I mean, usually for me, 
uh, I'll play this game on my own, and then we'll jump back with Marco or something I was to play it again. Just gonna say that, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I listen, and, and that's not to say that this isn't a big deal or a big cut because there's some people that I know that play this exclusively co-op, you know. Mm-hmm. And so th- this is definitely disappointing for sure, especially now since we know that split screen is back, and so couch co-op with your friend or if you're younger, you're, you're living with siblings, with siblings, you know, that's off the table right now. But you know, if you have to make cuts and i wish they didn't but if they do these are the ones to go for for sure and when it comes to forge itself i never use it but again it's it, it's forges you down the road is a thing that it, it gets more, more use out of it when people start really getting used to the game yeah and, and, and they start using forge in really interesting ways uh but yeah i mean disappointing to say the least but i don't think it's the end of the world i don't think it's i don't think it's it's these things are subject they need to be in the game so delay the game so these things could be on there it's not that you know and they were to say we're going to delay single player to get multiplayer out this year then i could be like how about just delay the game (laughs) you know but yeah these are little these are big things and i don't want to belittle the co-op community or whatever but these are little things in the grand scheme of things but still major uh uh, major options that the game would uh, offer usually so for sure. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on all, on all fronts as far as Forge not being a big priority for me personally. And co-op is a disappointment. I, I would just hope that when they do uh, bring co-op into the picture that they incentivize going back and playing co-op again. Because yeah. by that point, people are already going to have beaten the single player by themselves. Um, so you got to make that worthwhile somehow. Maybe yeah. exclusive uh, armor pieces so that you can deck out your character in multiplayer. I don't know. But just make there be, there be some reason to want to go do that instead of just saying, Oh, new, it's in now. Been, yeah, new content. If you're going to delay this whole the whole thing, how about new content? You know what I mean? New story right, content. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently they have all of year one uh, figured out Mapped in up. terms of the roadmap. So that that's that's at least good that they have a, a, a clear strategy in place, and it's not just you know they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants here, uh, but still kind of a bummer, obviously for co-op. For but sure. Not, to me, not 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 end of the world by any means. But of course, yeah. you know, Twitter's going to have a different opinion, uh, for sure. Um, well, anything anything that. Anything you can have for fodder to shit either on Sony, <laughs> Nintendo, or Xbox, the respective uh, anti oh, yeah. whatever is going to take that and make uh, and make whatever they want out of it. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Now speaking of something that that's worth shitting on, I, I think this and that one people deserves aren't shitting on as much. <laughs> it's crazy. That's true. I don't know, man. But but you you tell me what's going on with Bethesda. What's going on with Beth? I don't know. If this is a pre-purchase uh, by Microsoft thing, but. Bethesda is reselling Skyrim for a Skyrim, uh, a a version of the game they're calling Skyrim Anniversary. It's gonna have it's the most complete version of the of the Skyrim uh, franchise to date, which means uh, there's more coming on the line. I don't know, man. Look, look, every time there's a new there's a new uh, a game has been upgraded. Uh, for the next generation of consoles and it's coming on Xbox and it's not to say anything to shit on PlayStation but it's coming on Xbox nine times out of ten it's going to be a free upgrade which we've seen a whole bunch of them already come out and especially this game's already a game pass it's going to be there available for you this is not one of those things this is mm. actually going to be a uh, a separate game itself from, from what I understand it's not even they're not even going to charge you an upgrade fee to upgrade your game they're literally going to charge you a, it's a brand new game I hope not. That would be booty juice. That's kind of how what, what they're saying because they're saying if you have the Game Pass version of the game, you will be getting some updates that are in the anniversary, and that's 
that's like a the the survival mode or something like that that's going to be on uh, on on the anniversary but you're not going to get the anniversary game itself so you're not going to get the visual upgrades you're not going to get uh the dlc you're not going to get any of that stuff so i that can't even go is, i can't even go fishing i yeah, can't go fishing, fishing yeah all that is oh, going to be part of oh. the thing that you can well actually you can't go fishing oh, if you, you have the game pass if you have the game pass that's part that's one of them it's three i forgot what it was survival fishing and, and, and something else i forgot what it was Man. but anyway <laughs> anniversary seems to be a whole new game and look you go on YouTube and you see videos of, of people who are fans of Xbox uh, talking about this. For the most part, I think they're pretty fair and they call out Xbox on their shit. Um, and, you know, maybe this is an Xbox issue, but they own it and it is now their issue. And so a lot of these people are pretty much embracing this. They're laughing it off like, oh, there we go. Todd Howard did say if you want me to stop selling it, stop buying it. <laughs> but I'm going to buy it. it it's because that's what it feels like. It's it's it's. Todd Howard did say those things, and it's kind of like, hey, I'm putting my fucking uh, cards on the table. Are you going to buy this shit? And people seemingly are going to buy this game again. Like, I am oh, not the course. one to be talking about Skyrim because I, through all the systems, PlayStation, Xbox 360, PS3, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, played a collect a collective hours of about 10, of 10 hours, of <laughs> period, on all those consoles. Not each, just total. So I'm not the guy to be playing. I'm not the guy to be talking about Skyrim. But man, I, I, I could. I, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, my favorite game of all time, could be if they release a version of that game every year and a half, two years. Yeah, I, I wouldn't buy that. Just bullshit. Like the fuck. Like for full yeah. at full price. Now they haven't talked about pricing, but everything that they're saying seems to allude that it's gonna be not gonna be twenty bucks. All right, let's just say that that it's not gonna be twenty bucks. So I don't we'll know, see. man. We'll, we'll see. see. I think this is fucking bullshit, and it hurts Xbox because Xbox' entire mantra has been, you know, very customer friendly and specifically about uh, things like this, about upgrading to the next generation of consoles with their games, with certain uh, kind of uh, upgrades, and you know, this kind of is going against that. And honestly, Skyrim would be a one hell of a fucking game to get you know, Xbox Series X support, like true Xbox support besides a, a FPS boost to get like some your frames and get some, some, some new textures. Why would be really dope? But the fact that they're doing that, but they're also going to go ahead and charge you for it. It's mm -hmm. fucked up. It's, it's fucked it's up. Especially a, if it's, yeah. Man. Especially about a game that, 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 that they've released so many times and they've charged you so many times. Yeah. yeah it's wild. Man, it's wild. It's, a, it's about a ball hair away from booty juice. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you right now, like, We'll go wait to see if more information comes out that kind of, you know, balances this out a little bit. Maybe, you know, maybe Microsoft will kind of, you know, say, right. oh, I don't know if this, we should do it this way. Maybe we should do it that way kind of thing. And, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's it's teetering. It's teetering to that toilet. Anymore. Yeah, and, and another thing is, and this is kind of a sidestep of this, is the fact that this version is coming out on PlayStation 5 and 4 has already ignited the conversations about Elder Scrolls 6 confirmed for Xbox. Oh. Uh, for PlayStation 5. That's that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to dignify that at this point. Yeah. Move at this point, on with your life. At this point, let's understand what ownership means. I felt I can't believe I had to explain ownership to people. And racism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, while we're at it, yes. 
That was yeah, fun. So that takes care of that, man. I think that's going to wrap up our, our, our loadout segment in full. Um, speaking of booty juice, um, Pablo and I are going to skip booty juice this week um, just because our all-time game awards does have some booty-ish categories in there that will cover those bases um, more than well. So we're just going to jump right into the checkpoint chat and, uh, and talk about the all-time game awards. So um, this was an exciting one for me and Pablo to put together. Um, we wanted to kind of go back through uh, literally, you know, the entire history of games and and pick out some pretty unique categories or categories we think are kind of unique, um, yeah. and, and and some of them that are personal, and uh, and just kind of go through the best of the best. Uh, so you know, we've got uh, 15 categories as we said at the top of the show, um, and they are as follows: we have best open world ever, best art style. Most Addicting Game, Best Music, Best Trailer, Most Compelling Lead, Most Compelling Villain, Best Walmart Kiosk Game, (laughs) Best Game I Played at Pablo's House slash Best Game I Played at My House, Best Story, Best Worst Game, Worst Ending, Best Boss Fight, Best Game We Never Played, and lastly, Best Year in gaming ever. So um, I'm pretty excited to, to, to go through these, man. So um, why don't we go ahead and kick things off with our first category. Pablo, what, in your opinion, is the best open world ever made and why? Talk about it. So uh, my best open world game is Witcher 3 The Wild Hunt. Mm. Uh, from war-torn and muddled fucking Velen to White Orchard to... Uh, the massive diverse city of Novigrad and farm town of like it was like a like an island of Skillage, uh, Kiermorn, uh, and uh, you know, and then uh, Tassant that came later, yeah, which was basically wine country. Uh, uh, it, I mean, diverse cityscapes, diverse just areas in which you really they really differ from each other in many ways, but they still feel like they're part of that world. There's a cohesive to cohesiveness to those places and you know each of those places are different uh with in terms of the people who live there uh even how they talk right uh even how certain things are available that are not available at other spots just a whole bunch of different little things that you would find in real life if you go somewhere else here you go here you're gonna find different things different people different activities different worlds different landscapes just different views everything is different and this game does that every time you go into this new place uh one of the arguments that could be made about this is this isn't a true open world game because you can't go from like velen to skillage in like on horseback you have to like load into it but it is every of these sections are open to, to you and and it is it is absolutely stunning because i've never played you know, when you play Grand Theft Auto or when you play um, any of these open world games, you're pretty much within the same city, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, Grand Theft Auto does have different areas of Cal- of the fictional California that differ from the city itself, but ultimately, it, it, it kind of all jumbles, uh, uh, it all kind of looks the same. Uh, Witcher 3 is doesn't do that. They, it looks very different. Sure, it's all within the same time f- zone, time frame, I should say, but it is... It is absolutely one of those things for me that it really embodies like the essence of what they're trying to evoke with The Witcher itself. It just it just feels absolutely stunning in everywhere you go, and, it, and for different many different reasons. And uh, that diversity 
and 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 all that really for me it just made witcher 3 one of the for me my best open world game that i've ever played gotcha man and i can't i can't argue with any of those points it, it's it is truly an incredible uh jaw-dropping open world but i gotta pick red dead redemption 2 for my best open world ever made and and I think there's a lot of ways I can tackle this one, so I'll, I'll try to keep this quick. I, I think, obviously, when it comes to locales, some of the cities, I mean, Blackwater, uh, yeah. Saint, I, I can't remember if it's Saint Denis or Saint Denis or Saint something Denis. like that. Yeah, I think Saint it's Saint Denis, Denis right? Um, you know, places like those, the, the, uh, the, the, the manor, I can't remember the name of the manor either, but, you know, these locations it's are just Braith, amazing. Braithwaite or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean... Every city that you go to has its own personality. There's some that are more kind of on that early industrial side. There's some that are that are definitely more like city cities. There's some that are more artsy. There's some that aren't. Um, but everywhere I went in that world felt um, amazingly lived in, um, full of yeah. life, full of character, um, and full of nuances. And I think that that level of detail that that Rockstar. Um, absolutely excelled at in this game just can't be understated and and i don't see a lot of games in the future coming close to what they were able to do in that regard um with red dead redemption 2 but i think what tips the scale for me is is even when you're not in a, a city or town or anything like that and you're just in kind of the wild that those those vistas are absolutely gorgeous that you know yes. everywhere you go there just feels compelling to look at a cliffside a, a mountain over in the distance a, a, a beautiful valley um seeing you know all the flora and fauna out there it, it's just stuff that just constantly makes you stop and go holy shit you know now despite some of the problems that i have with the game's uh combat and and even the story and and some parts of the game that I think are, are relatively overrated. I think one thing that is absolutely objectively um, masterful is its open world. So I had to give the nod uh, almost uh, instinctively to, to Red Dead Redemption 2, um, despite some of my, my, my quirks or my tiffs with the game. So What's funny about your choice uh, in mine is, you know, mine is more because of the diversity of, of the worlds, right? And how mm -hmm. different these worlds are. Yours, not so much because it's all in the same spot, area. It's but more it's about the, the consistency. It, consistency and how lived in it feels. Exactly. And how true it is to its time uh, time frame. Like, it's in the late 1800s and how that feels. It, it, I mean, it is. It, th those are, like, probably, like, 1A, uh, 1B for me in terms of I would, Yeah, I would have to agree. That, that would if, yeah. if there was no Red Dead Redemption 2, I'd probably be picking the same thing you did, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, incredible, man. Incredible so um, let's let's uh, let, let's go ahead and move on to our second category. And Pablo, this one is uh, another banger. Best art style ever. Yeah. Thinking about all the amazing games, all the amazing art styles we've seen in the history of gaming. What do you think is the best of them all? I think for me is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Boy. Uh, just from a visual standpoint, I mean, from the beginning of that game, once you reach, get out of uh, the tomb <laughs> that you're in, uh, and, and you walk up to the, and you see the plateau, it is, it is a painting. It is very painterly in that sense. Uh, and it is absolutely astonishing and breathtaking in almost every way. And you have to think about one thing about this game. It is on the Nintendo fucking Switch. 
So the, the the way that they were they managed to make this game and, and and the way they made it look and kind of just everything about the game itself in terms of and we're not talking about and kind of like with you with open with open world of Red Dead Redemption two let, let's take out the story you know let's take out the gameplay let's take out all that stuff because we're talking here about art style and I think the art style of the game itself from the 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 from even like the the divine beasts and that the way they look and even how uh, Ganon looks and uh, even the choices that they made with Zelda, which some people don't love. But I think all that, that whole art style and the way that the game looks is is absolutely astonishing and astounding for me. And it really does do a lot for the Legend of Zelda. I mean, to the point where, I mean, it, it's become its own genre. Like, it's an open world, but it's like, it's like it's like Breath of the Wild, like you know, kind of like yeah, dude. Th there's a lot of that, yeah. And so, it, sorry to cut you off. It reminds me no, no. a little bit of what they did with Wind Waker when when they did the cell shaded yeah. stuff. Everything yeah. after that for a solid three four years was all cell shaded. I'm like, man, yeah. Zelda really has that 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 pull. I mean, we all know that obviously, but just to see them do that again. Like in, in yeah. this modern era where so many other art styles have, have, have been out there for a while, they come up with this and everybody immediately is like, oh my God, we have to do a game yeah. that looks just like that. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Nobody really, the thing that, that's weird to me is nobody really talks about, um, what, are they, what are they called? Um, uh, Nintendo EPD, where they're, they're the development studio behind all the major Nintendo games. And nobody really talks, they're like, they're, they're like incredible developers. Absolutely astonishing uh, game developers, uh, but uh, that and yeah, I agree with you. And the funny thing is that when I'm I'm playing now uh, Skyward Sword, and I have to say Skyward Sword is probably the most bland art style that they have up to date. Though though the upgrade does kind of mix a little bit of certain of, of the cell shaded with what they were intending to do, uh, and so go, seeing that and then going into Breath of the Wild uh, just to kind of before the podcast just to kind of look at it a little bit. I mean, it's it's absolutely it's it's amazing. It yeah, is yeah. absolutely an yep. amazing looking game, and I love uh, I love every part of, of of Breath of the Wild, artistically speaking. It is it's it's everything to me. It's absolutely it, it, amazing. It's hard to disagree, man. It's hard to disagree. Um, but uh, my pick is different. Um, in my opinion, the best art style ever seen in a video game to me is Persona Five, um, and, and and I say that. For different but but equally complementary reasons, uh, you know, compared to your argument about Breath of the Wild, in that I don't think that the art style of Persona Five can be copied. I don't think that there's right. anybody that can do Persona like Persona. Um, yep. And and Persona Five to me, especially when I went back and tried, you know, Persona Four Golden, and I had already tried Persona Three, I think, years ago. Um, that's as far back as my history goes with the series, unfortunately. But um, seeing Persona Five as just this this perfect culmination of everything they learned and added over the years in this perfect way, um, it just it's untouchable to me because. It, they did so much with the simplest of things. You talk about like, you know, yeah, graphical fidelity is amazing with a lot of games, and there's there's styles like cell shaded styles and things like that. But this game does so much with the simplest things, like just color use, um, you know, the, the, just font types, uh, you know, creating what feels like motion out of still images, um, using, um, you know, their art style was so impactful that you know they. There was literally an app made for Android devices, um, uh, smartphones specifically, where you can make your text messages come up in the same 
uh, theme as the phones in, in Persona 5. So, like, everything that this game did, and we'll talk, I think we'll talk about this again later on um, in a different category, but everything that this game did visually is just one of a kind. And, and um, you know, you think about the character models and the way they all had this distinct look and feel. Um, a lot of the gameplay elements, especially when you can do the gang up move with all, all your characters to kind of jump in and, and bum rush them, or the finishing move where, you know, one of them gets to do the move and then they do the, their pose at the end and the, like the still frame. It, it's all very very unmatched in this in this space of gaming to the point where you don't see other jrpgs even trying to do what they're doing which a lot of jrpgs all take bits and pieces from each other but you don't see that happening with persona because it just has to come from atlas and and no one else can can come close so i i just think that they've nailed that formula i can't wait to see what they do with persona 6 i think we're going to get an announcement on that hopefully soon or a teaser um but for right now, nothing I've ever seen art-wise has compared to what I got out of Persona 5. And I'm, and I'm probably understating it. Um, so if you haven't played it, guys, play it. But also the art style of Persona 5 also just adds so much to like the vibe of the game. Like, oh, yeah. Like the feeling of the game comes so much from like the flashiness of, of that. It's really, it's a really fucking dope ass game. For yeah, sure. yeah, no doubt, man. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Pablo. What is, for you personally, um, what is the most addicting video game you have ever played? I mean, there's a lot of games that I can't get enough of. And, you know, uh, my top ten games, probably each of those can make an argument for it being an addicting game. Sure. But I think the game that I was, like, truly uh, addicted to, and that's because I spend money on it like a <laughs> fucking crack addict, was Overwatch. Uh, when Overwatch hey. released from from the from the get, uh, it was kind of just like, oh, okay, and then I, I got got by, by the uh, loot box <laughs> loop, man. It got me good. I was in there. I wanted to see all my characters, but also, a game can't do that unless the game itself is good. And Overwatch, maybe now it doesn't seem that special anymore because so many other games have done it. Not necessarily better, but have done it, like Paladins and, and, and other games that have come out that are Overwatch adjacent or Overwatch-like. Uh, but you have to understand, when Overwatch came out, there wasn't a lot like that, if anything like that. And 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 then just kind of the hero shooter and, and, and the way that that game played out, it was just absolutely amazing. It was awesome. You know, picking uh, your mains and mastering them, you know, things that worked for you and kind of just working on your character over and over knowing your limitations with each character that all of that was just an absolute blast finding a new character that's always been there obviously like for me when i when i found when when i kind of rediscovered zenyatta and and played uh played him for a a, a long time and was really into it um and the fact that i you know go back and play the game and you know rediscovering mccree i remember that very vividly and kind of understanding how he works and and diva and all that stuff it's just yeah. for me it, it just became a game of almost like a fighting game where i pick the guys that i'm good at and then i try to uh master them and then when i get a little bored of them or even when i'm so for whatever reason i'm not playing as well with them i pick someone new and restart that entire process plus the whole loot boxes that i mentioned uh, at, at the at the beginning where you know, finding your new new uh, gear for your for your player, oh. all, all that was it was less about showing off of what I had, but more like it was like an aesthetically pleasing thing for me to see. I got this brand new thing for 
McCree or Diva, and I just stared at it in the menu oh, for like five minutes. Same, and, same. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, and obviously, and, and a game that I, I think that Marco could attest to because me and Marco pretty much play this exclusively with each other was just was addicting for for you for you as well. Oh yeah. Um. So I mean, it, it it just it was a game that we played for like a year and a half, maybe a year every day. I think so. Every day. I think yeah. you did. Yeah, yeah. It, it then, was. It was it was special, man. It was a special yeah. like revelation at that time to, to play a game like you said that you just didn't see before. Yeah, just yeah. one of a kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Most addicted game of all time to this day, Overwatch, um, because it also had longevity. Siege, you know, this year got me by the balls, but you know I've already kind of fallen off of that, so it mm. doesn't have the, didn't have the staying power that Overwatch did, and, and so yeah, right. Overwatch 100. percent yeah, my pick for most addicting game uh, is SOCOM 2 U.S. Navy SEALs. Um, this is a this is a Marco-ass pick for sure. I mean, I, I was definitely close to picking Overwatch as well. But I think that much like I talked about, um, you know, when we, when we talked about games that define us, this was a game for me where... Um, it was it was not just about how good the game was for its time. It was also... Uh, it was also about the community, you know, and, and the people that I had gotten a chance to befriend through that game and, and roll with every night. Uh, we had our clan action going on. So so that was it was also just as much of a social uh, experience in a weird video gamey kind of way, of course, than, than it was just a great video game to play online. Um, I, I do think that the novelty, of course, of being able to play a game online for a console was pretty special at that point in time because there really wasn't a lot of that for a, a while. Um, so that was a part of it, too. But I just think that the game itself was just a lot of fun. There was a, a, a real sense of competition, a real skill gap there. Um, so you, you always had something to strive for in terms of how to get better. Um, you know, new weapons that you should be testing out um, and, and really coordinating with your team. So I would play all day and all night uh, and, and ruin most of my college years because of, of, of that game, because that's all I wanted to do. So it, it, even though I played Overwatch for a longer period of time, um, I think that the that that window that I played SOCOM 2 was just, it, there was a magic to it that for me personally um, made it the most addicting game that I had ever touched. So uh, that is my pick, man. <laughs> it's so funny because you said that if it, you wouldn't have picked uh, SOCOM, you'd probably pick Overwatch. And I am in the same boat. If I wouldn't have picked Overwatch, I was I had uh, SOCOM, but I had the uh, Fireteam Fire Bravo. Team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which <laughs> I, I played... I played for a long time. And it's funny, interesting you say that because there definitely is, thinking back, that novelty of playing online with your friends, which wasn't really, like, a thing. Like, you know, before, yes, if you're younger and you hear this, you're like, you couldn't play online before? I'm like, no, (laughs) you couldn't. You know, that's why I also contemplated with Call of Duty 2. Uh, and, and even three, because three, I was actually in a clan in three, and we I did clan matches in three hey. like, through uh, Battle.net. Like it was all about that. So you know, that's the novelty of, of, of playing online. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Which is not a novelty anymore. Now it's like a, not it's a it's a, it's a common occurrence. It's, yeah. it's every game. Yeah. yeah, people don't even talk online anymore, which is probably a blessing. But you know, we don't talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, man. Let's let's keep it moving. Let's get into the best music ever. In a video, and we're gonna game. do this all singing. Actually, you know what? Can I? Can I? Can I back up one second? I want to throw a curveball yeah. at you, real quick, real quick. 
Because this was a category I thought about doing for us, but I didn't. So just tell me okay. real fast. Out of all the competitive games you played, fighting games, shooters, whatever, what was the one game that you can say, I, I was the shit at that game? I was killing, I was destroying in that game. Do you have one? Two games, two games come to mind. Okay. It's uh, Super Smash Brothers. Which one? Melee? Or Ultimate. No, Ultimate. Okay. This one. Yeah, this one I, I really found my, my footing. Okay. And uh, World at War. Really? I mean, oh, I, yeah, would, yeah. I would go into World at War, uh, single player, uh, you know, not single player, uh, multiplayer with friends, and mm. I would come out of a regular deathmatch with 72, uh, 72 <laughs> and 15. Like, I, I was just beast uh, mode. And I know that I, when I talked to a lot of people on that, I, I think World at War might have been easier than other games. I don't know. But all I know is that I would walk in that motherfucker and leave with 72 skulls. Woo. And I was on fire. And then uh, Ultimate, uh, okay. I've always been, I've I've always been okay at Smash. But for whatever reason, I really honed in on like Yoshi. Yeah. And uh, and and it's just it's a game that I honestly, and I'm not bragging. I don't. This is the know, brag. This is ha- the brag. This is the brag. I don't have any friends that I can think of that can probably beat me on a consistent basis. No, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't touch. Uh, at the game, at a, you know, not to say that they couldn't get one off of me, but like beat me on a consistent basis. Uh, it, it's a game that I I, I, I absolutely I think I dominate okay. the most in that. But yeah, that, that's, that's a good category. Okay, okay, yeah. I would say, about you. What do you got? I, I would say mine is Battlefield Bad Company too. Um, I it's funny. I went back and played it about maybe a year ago. Um, because it's you know on Xbox, I can go back and play it. Uh, is it still up? I think so. I, not a lot of people play it anymore though. So when I got in there, it was a, it was like it was like eight v eight. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a full uh, full room. Ah. Um, so that was a little disappointing. But as soon as I got in there, bro, get, uh, about five minutes in, bodies. Bodies. <laughs> everywhere. Like bike. Just every which way, bodies. Um, that game, when I, when I had my loadout the way I wanted it and I had all my weapons I wanted, it was just a death sentence for everybody. And I, I can brag pretty safely about that. Me and my buddies, uh, you know, my friends Lewis and Ben from my old job, Logan's Roadhouse, we, we used to get on every night after work. And just destroy everyone's life, and and we could feel the happiness draining from people that we were beating. And, and that, <laughs> never felt that like you you can't yeah, hear yeah, them yeah. talking, but you can just tell like I am I am I just tore their heart out. They have no passion yeah, yeah, to play yeah. this game after this. They're done after tonight. Um, yeah, that was I that game. Totally for, understand that. Yeah. yeah, my favorite yeah. thing is playing Smash, and it's three stock, uh, three, you know, three lives, <laughs> and then I. I'm still. I have all three lives, and the other person's down to one, and they just come down and they just literally jump off the stage. <laughs> it's like I'm done. It's, that's the best feeling in the world. Uh, I love it. Oh. All right, all right. Sorry for the detour, but I thought that'd be a cool one to throw in the middle there. Uh, okay, let, let's go ahead and get back to. Uh, let's get back on course real quick here. Uh, best music of all time. What do you got? And tell me why. Yeah, a game that I never finished, a game that I tried finishing, I never finish, and it's a game we already talked about. It's Persona Five. The music in Persona Five, and I'll be honest with you, and kind of a spoiler here, that you didn't pick this, and I am fucking shocked. Uh, but <laughs> we'll talk anyway, about it. We'll talk. Uh, yeah, I think Shoji Maguro. I think uh, I don't. I can't say his name. I don't know. Probably, to be honest. But but uh, outright incredible. He's he's a composer of all the Persona games. It's like this guy is an incredible composer, and all he does is compose uh, fucking uh, Persona games. And it's a and just to give you an idea of what the, what we're dealing here with, it's a mix of jazz, funk, disco, hip hop, mm. and pop. Mm. And it and not and the beauty of it is the cohesiveness of all this music, where it can flow into funk from jazz, 
from jazz to fucking pop to pop to disco and it never feels disjointed like oh no. oh now this is the disco song no 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 because each of these songs are almost not always but closely attached to certain situations certain areas certain people certain moods certain things that happen in the story and when it comes on it is perfectly matched to the ambiance and setting of that specifically so when you come into this into the cafe and it's like that smooth jazz yes. like it's coming on <laughs> and you're like you're home and it feels like fuck i know this is like a lot but it feels home it feels chill you're cool you've finally made it home sometimes it's raining outside and mm-hmm. you're in the jazz it's fucking beautiful it is absolutely beautiful and it is honestly for me and again i'm not even the biggest persona 5 fan I attest, I still think Persona 5 is probably some one of the best JRPGs of all time for a person who's never finished it. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fucking music. The, I listened, I, I still, to this day, as a matter of fact, just a couple of days ago at work, I still put this uh, this, uh, this soundtrack, soundtrack on and I'm yep. just fucking vibing <laughs> through it because it is, it is a fucking Man. vibe. And it isn't like it's jazz, it's pretty good for a video game. It's pop, it's pretty good for a video game. It's funk, no. It's jazz. It's pretty good for fucking jazz. Yeah, dude. Okay? It's disco. It's pretty good for fucking disco. It is top-notch in just about every way. And it is... It, it, it sets... Like I said, it sets moods. It sets... Uh, it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's not much else to be said about Persona 5. Yeah. Um, you didn't pick it. I'm shocked. I am not shocked that you, the game that you picked... Go ahead and say it. And I yeah, think yeah. It, it's valid. I think the... I, I, after you said what you said and I saw you put it down, I went and I did some research on the on the game you're oh, about yeah. to do music-wise. I'm yeah. like, I gotta listen to this because there's no way he picked this over Persona 5. And then I'm like, okay, I sure maybe did. there is a way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it makes sense. It also makes sense. Yeah, I, I had to. Um, and, and that game for me with the best music of all time is Silent Hill 2. Um, there, there is something about Akira Yamo- Yamoka's um, music um, in that game, and, and the same can be said for Silent Hill one and three. I just think two is the strongest of of, of those three, uh, and four, of course. Um, there is something about when you talk about the the sense of atmosphere that Silent Hill has, the 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 fog, um, you know, the 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 barren town uh, with all these weird cult like mysteries and stuff, and and everything that that world does to make you feel unsettled and uncertain. The music that, that, that he created for Silent Hill 2 um, perfectly um, represents that, that very vibe to the best of its abilities. And it's, it's so good and it's so powerful that for me, like, and this is going to sound really goofy, but like when there's like a really foggy day outside, I will immediately hum something from Silent Hill in, in my head. I will do it every, every time. Um, the music has a sense of beauty to it with some tracks. There's a seriousness yeah. to some music. There's a very industrial uh, style to some of the uh, of the music as well. With a lot of clings and clangs and stuff like that to really get you feeling unsettled in those moments where you're running from the weird nurses or the the, the weird pyramid head that no one's figured out what it actually fucking is yet. Um, you know, there's there's just something truly truly special and moving that. about it that that I th- oh you have yeah there's there's yeah. just something special about that 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 music that to me um you know much in the same way of Persona Five just extremely in a, in a different fashion uh, you've never really heard anything like it again 
um, the, the way the, the guitars sound uh, have this very loose and, and almost rusty feel to them. You know, the, there's you know the beats that are in the game uh, in some of those tracks are are you know just very ominous and brooding. And then you have these these vocal tracks with um, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, I think, who is the voice actor for uh, one of the characters in three. I think it's the the, the main protagonist. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who sings some of the, the the theme songs for a lot of uh, you know the games that they came out, uh, and and all of it is just so incredible. I, I it's the only game that I have a Spotify playlist exclusively dedicated to. Um, out of everything, I don't have like you know a hodgepodge of you know soundtrack from this game, that game, this game, that game. I have one literally dedicated to Silent Hill, and T- Silent Hill 2's music is just stuff that that has stayed with me and stuck to me longer than anything else I've ever heard ever. Um, Persona 5 would absolutely be my second place, but nothing to me beats Silent Hill 2, and that's one of the many reasons why I'm so excited about a remake. Uh, if 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 uh, people stop lying to me and deceiving me about if it's going to happen or not. Um, I just when it comes to these remakes it's super scary because sometimes things get lost in translation and most of the times it's the music yeah and I hope it's not the case I, yeah, we ju- yeah. Cause we just saw that whole video about uh, Twin Snakes Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, Metal Gear Solid and Twin Snakes mm-hmm. and one of the major things was the music itself just completely being lost ruined it uh, yeah. yeah yeah. so that's my pick man um, let's keep it moving let's keep it moving so we have uh, up next the best trailer for a video game that we have ever seen in our life. Um, Pablo, what is your choice? My choice is uh, E3 reveal trailer for Assassin's Creed Revelations. Um, so it is that one trailer, and I'll try to explain it to you. Um, I think the artist is called Woo Kid, and he it's a song called Iron. Uh, and it's played throughout the trailer, and it's glory. It's glorious. Oh, it, yeah. it really is, and it matches. And it's a modern song, so you might think maybe it doesn't match the you know the time frame of Revelations, but it does. It's because it, it it's it's what it does. It's also I want to say for those of you kind of trying to think about what the song sounds like, a lot of you will probably recognize the song sampled by Kendrick Lamar in a song called "Spiteful Chant," and it's literally it's going throughout the whole entire song. So you might. You might have heard it there, but anyway, uh, it's a it's a CGI trailer, but it's a complete tonal piece. It, mm. it it's it really it it really just kind of sets you up for what the game is about to tell you story wise, and it shows all these little very specific scenes about the game and and, and where exactly uh, Ezio's gonna go and and story and it just all the music notes and every every kind it's like it's synced perfectly to these moments these really grand moments where the music is kind of slow and, and 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 steady and then it swells up to that big the, all those horns playing yeah and then it's like showing these amazing it just it is absolutely one of the best uh trailers i've ever seen also it is the it is the last assassin's creed trailer that made me hype for assassin's creed game. because <laughs> it, nothing has been the same it, it's it's a really weird uh trailer because it is so artistically it's just so well done it doesn't feel like it's done by uh, by ubisoft you know it completely feels like someone really put a lot of thought behind it uh and gave it an artistic eye and kind of really made it to me, it's very similar to another um, another trailer that you'll talk about. Okay. In that way, where it's 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 yeah, it's CGI. It doesn't really show gameplay, but it sets the tone up for the game so precise that it is absolutely amazing, and it really made me hype for 
for uh, Assassin's Creed. And, you know, it, it, I think it, it paid off really well. Uh, that's uh, Assassin's Creed Revelations E3 trailer. All right, man. So my pick for best trailer of all time is undoubtedly uh, the Gears of War Mad World trailer. Um, man, all around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces. You know what I'm saying? Um, this this game, uh, and I was almost about to sing that shit, uh, but I think you'd find it kind of funny. Um, so, uh, oh, ah, yeah, yeah, it, it reached you. It reached you a little, you know. Yeah, my heart. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So listen, man, real quick. I think I think that this was one of the most impactful trailers that that. Um, especially for its time, you know, introducing a new IP that, you know, no one knew anything about, uh, you know, what is Gears of War? What am I supposed to feel about this game? Uh, and this was a game that, um, you know, this was a trailer rather that, that really illustrated the sense of, of desperation and, and one's back being against the wall in what feels like impossible odds. Um, I will say that to an extent, I think the trailer was a little, um, misrepresentative of, of what the actual game was like when you got Coltrane running around going, whoa, look at all that juice and all that bullshit, you know, like there was there was a lot <laughs> Coltrane. of yeah, there was a lot of that going on, so I, I don't think that it was the most accurate depiction of what you're in store for with Gears of War, but I do think what it did achieve was it, it made people stop everything and go what is that video game right there what, and, and, and if you're creating a new IP in this business, you cannot ask for anything better, uh, for people to stop in their tracks even people that didn't play video games are like what is that game with the you know uh, and they start singing the song you know that that kind of of imprint uh, from from just a minute and 20 second trailer to me is is something that um you can't overlook it with a category like this. I think I think it's no. it is uh, to me it's the perfect trailer. I think it did everything it's supposed to do except for um, you know again just not being as as accurate as it could have been about what the game actually is. Well, uh, but but other than that, I think it was just it was damn near flawless. Refresh my memory. That was for what game three? No, first one. First one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that's weird because I I remember that vividly. I just couldn't remember the game itself, but you're right. I mean, because Gears 3 definitely went a little more serious, especially with Dom and all right. that stuff. But yeah, Gears 1 was, was kind of like a rock fest in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But hey, yeah. trailer-wise, that's a fucking great pick. Yeah, um, man. The other, yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. All right, so let's keep it moving, bruh. Um, let's get into the category for most compelling lead yeah. character ever. Um, who do you, and now, real quick, real quick. Now, we didn't want to do something as simple as what's the best character ever? What's the greatest, most right. iconic character? Because then everyone would pick Mario or something like that. We didn't want to do that. So, this is more about like what, what character is the most gripping? What is, who is the most engrossing? Who can't you not take your eyes off of when you're playing as them, as, uh, as the lead? Uh, so, who do you got for that pick, man? Uh, the, the prototype for Joel, Max Payne. <laughs> oh, really? really? Okay. All right. Yeah, for me, the Max Payne uh, from the from right from Rip from Max Payne one all the way through uh, you know Max Payne three, this man's destroyed, man. I mean, he lost his wife, he lost his kid, uh, and it's a man who seemingly has little to live for. Yeah, in a lot of ways, uh, 
He has an out of control pill addiction. That is a uh, part of the health regeneration <laughs> of the game. He does. He needs this to survive, right? And he has a propensity to put himself in harm's way on a consistent basis for other people at that. And I, I think it's so interesting because you can tell the gears behind him, like operating when. He's out there trying to save, especially Max Payne 3, trying to save uh, his employer's uh, girlfriend, or his wife, or mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think his wife. And, and he's putting himself in harm's way in ways that you really don't understand other than you know why he's doing it. This is his chance to save a loved one of someone else because he couldn't do it himself. Yeah. And so it, it, you can tell, all the, and it, for me it was always complaining because he, especially with 3, he had... No real stakes other than his kind of just himself and, and how he felt. Like he he was broken, but he still had humanity left within him, and he felt responsible for what was happening. But more than that, he also felt like he was his opportunity to help someone else to not relive like his his life basically. Yeah. And and yeah, the twists and turns that come about of the game story itself. But the main motivation between Max Payne and, and all the games is, was either getting revenge. Uh, or, or kind of atoning for what happened to him by helping someone else. And it's just, it is, he is for me, to date, the, one of the most gripping characters in all of video games. And I, it's a shame that we don't see more of him. And maybe that's for the better, because at, at a certain point it comes like, okay, how much more of this can we actually take? Yeah, it becomes torturing you know? a character at, at some point. Yeah, at that point. And so, nah. you know, for, for me, I think uh, Max Payne is just, it's an absolutely compelling and engaging character in every way and, yeah. and that also has to do with the quality of the games and how they're able to tell that story and kind of give, give that off now let me kind of back you up on this pick because i feel like there's going to be some folks that are going to hear this pick and go why would you pick max Payne? like i get it i guess but i don't know why he'd be like the most let me explain something um real fast before i get to my pick max Payne is a character unlike any other in a sense of you know, with other leads and protagonists we play as, we have to kind of observe their behaviors and what they say to people because we don't know what they're thinking. With Max Payne, you know exactly yeah. what he's thinking at all times because Every he's time. telling you in 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 the story yep. as he and it's all very melodramatic and very you know insufferable and, and crime noir esque, right? So imagine someone who can you as a person listener if if someone can hear your every thought and everything that you say about yourself all the demeaning stuff you feel about yourself you know when you struggle with whatever issues you have you know mentally or emotionally and 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 it's all out there this is what max Payne is in, in in the video game form so when you get to see him in a video game you see everything about him everything that makes him tick everything that he doesn't give a fuck about anymore and there's no there's no veil there's no curtain protecting any of that it's all right there for you and that stuff is very hard hitting and very powerful but to this category's you know credit compelling and and I think a lot of it has to do with what your your sensibilities when you see something and and how that speaks to you in terms of that as a character and and ultimately for me with Max Payne I I don't know of any character to date to date that comes close to to kind of being what Max Payne is the closest probably Joel uh, in Last of Us maybe maybe Um, but 
but I don't think Joe's compelling at all. I think he's for me he's not very compelling. Uh, you know. Now we're not going to sit uh, here I'll, and be we're not going to be assholes today, Pablo. We're not going to talk no, shit no, about no, my I don't boy think, Jolie. No, but compared no, compared to, to to Max Payne, I don't think I think the story be, around Joel and I think the Ellie and everything happened to him is compelling, but Joel as a character himself, I think, you know, I I, I don't think he's as three-dimensional as Max Payne in my opinion. I think, you know, especially with the fact that he had three games to go through and then one very explicit thing happening to Max Payne, and then the third being, you know, removing itself from that a little bit, but kind of still being uh, Max Payne in that sense. So I, 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 I don't know. For me, Max Payne is is is, is hands down compelling. Not the best character, but in terms but of compelling, the most compelling, the best, the most compelling, absolutely. All yeah, right. I feel you, man. My pick for that uh, this category is Geralt of Rivia. Um, I think that Geralt is is. Uh, Man, it was between him and Solid Snake for me, but I think Geralt took it for me because he has um, he has so much nuance to him as a character that I don't you know comparing him to Max Payne, which is a weird thing to say. You almost don't need the internal you know, the, the the monologue type of thing from from a Max Payne type character for a Geralt because. It's not that he wears everything on his sleeve. He's he can be very stoic at times, but he lets out those little, those little blips of, of character sometimes that that make you laugh. Like that, his humor is is very dry, yeah. and it, it does something when he when he he nailed, especially with the voice actor when they nail that that perfectly. It's like oh, that was that was that was brilliant. Um, his quirks about like hating going through portals, you know, like th- little things like that that kind of flesh him out as more than just a menacing guy with with two swords, right? Um, his relationships with other characters and really getting a feel for a lot of the dilemmas that he has, especially romantically um, <laughs> throughout the series, you know, with with um, you know what people um, mean to him and and what you know he means to people as a Witcher and as Geralt, and then obviously his his almost parental relationship with. Siri, um, and and what that changes about his personality and his uh, his ability to caretake for people. So I just think that he has uh, an incredible amount of dimension to him in ways that make him really, really um, compelling and captivating uh, almost at all times in, in in every you know every sense of the word. Now I haven't read any of the novels before. I've only played the game, so I'm sure there's even more dimension to him that we don't even know about because so much of him probably had to be gamified. But I think when you see who he is as a character, it, it translates so well in in so many other mediums. Obviously, gaming, and even now as we saw with the net. Netflix uh, series, it translates just as well there too because he's just so rich with with uh, with nuance and character um, that uh, he works in in all types of formats. I mean, when you when you when you are a character who can excel in a novel, in a video game, and in in uh, in, in a TV, that's that's pretty remarkable stuff. And I think it speaks volumes about who he is. So um, that's my pick, man. Uh, Geralt of Rivia is the most compelling lead to me of all time. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the opposite end of the spectrum, Pablo. Let's talk about the most compelling villain of all time. Who do you got? Most compelling villain to me was uh, Big Boss. Big but, Boss. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, or the Joy, I should say, so people will understand. No, the wait, wait, wait. Between. You mean the Boss, not Big Boss. The Boss. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. but she's 
She's the yeah, boss. the boss. I'm sorry. I said big boss. I'm sorry. I yeah, said yeah, the yeah. boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But big boss is my is the is the no. I did I put big boss? You put big boss on on here. No, I meant okay. I meant the boss. I meant the boss, and I'm not talking <laughs> about Springsteen. Okay. Uh, no, no, yeah, the boss. Uh, or the joint. No one thought you were uh, talking about yeah. Springsteen, my G. <laughs> I don't know. Not everybody plays every vi- not everybody plays every video game, right? So they, they might be like, yo, there's a game with, with Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I it. think. I think, you know, just off the set, she is uh, attached to everybody that I loved about Metal Gear, right? If I'm not mistaken, she is the biological mother of Ocelot. She is. And then she's also a mentor and mother figure to Naked Snake. Yes. Which becomes a big boss. Big boss, right. Um, So just off rip, that dichotomy, the fact that not only is big boss or at this point Naked Snake... uh, you know, attach her because of the mentor, but also sees her as a mother figure, and eventually, uh, Solid Snake's biggest enemy or biggest you know adversary, uh, being Ocelot, also attached because his mother was the boss. And so, for me, see, that's already it's already gripping. And then playing through a Snake Eater, and then having the boss, uh, literally, in your way, at least how you see it, at least at the beginning, dis- completely just. Uh, I'm, I'm missing that word. Defect. Uh, what do you uh, betray. Mean? Oh, betray. betray. Yeah. Okay. Betray you, or seemingly betray you. It, it, it is shocking because this is a person that not only does he see as a a, a superior within the military outfit, right, but also as a person who is he sees as his mother, uh, and so betray him completely, leave him for dead. And then that dichotomy between those two, and and how and how she and how she specifically doesn't want to do this mm-hmm. she is being loyal to the united states of america and 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 being a, a patriot to to her to, to the nation and, and having to do th- something in order to save the world but in doing so has to pretty much betray her son uh in order to do that and and so off this off the rip and everything that happens with the boston snake eater and then that amazing that amazing boss fight at the end and then yeah. obviously the fact that the revelation of the boss and why she did what she did and what what uh what N- naked snake had to do in order to pretty much complete his mission so having to to, to go through all that with with her is i mean it's absolutely amazing i i could i would i agree with you i almost picked you picked Solid Snake. I almost looked at kind of Naked Snake as kind of my uh, as my most compelling um, uh, protagonist oh. because of the fact of, okay. of everything he had to go through, which was the opposite of how, what the boss had to mm-hmm. kind of go through herself. So ultimately, for me, uh, she is my she is definitely my most compelling uh, antagonist. Uh, air, air quotes on I, antagonist, yeah. When you find out what she's really, what she's really doing, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but I, yeah, I'll I just say she's not antagonist at all. Yeah, she's not antagonist at all. She's you know she's double crossed everybody yeah. <laughs> just to complete her mission. Right? She yep. literally had to, like I said, she literally had to shit on, leave her son for dead, almost right. Which I don't know how you survived that shit. But anyway, um, yeah. and then yeah, yeah, and then have to you know in order to to complete her mission, and then ultimately having to understand that she picked a mission. Over her son, mm-hmm. honestly, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, it's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of kind of things going on there that really just fucking outstanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Um, my pick for most compelling villain of all time is Sephiroth, um, and and 
and I'm coming at it from a different angle. I think where where you have the boss and and that the depth of her character and and her real motives and, and the mission that she's on for real, um, I'm coming at it from an angle of just how captivating Sephiroth was just from yeah. literally an on-screen presence. He is the one and probably only villain that when he shows up in a scene, I, you know, as a kid when I played the original Seven, even with the remake, I would just kind of like gasp to myself like, oh, he's here, you know, because because yeah, yeah. first and foremost, he he fucking looks so cool, you know, and and yeah. and there's never really been a villain that that has what Sephiroth has in terms of I hate to say swag but it's just it's a certain swag it's that it's that evil ass swag that just kind of works like why do you why are you so cool looking I'm supposed to hate you but you're so fantastic looking you know and um (laughs) his sword and and just the you know how tall he is the long you know like gray silver hair and um you know later on when he was you know getting voice acting treatment in in future you know uh titles he was in whether it was like Kingdom Hearts or obviously the remake and Advent Children, then that's a whole other dimension to his 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 brooding nature and and uh, you know seeing you know and there were bits and pieces of his actual character that I found kind of interesting like his you know obviously his relationship with his mother uh, Genova and and everything that it happened with him and why he changed into the villain that he became um, you know most of the rest of his character is kind of uh, it's more of one of those like for his time he was cool type of characters but you know since then yeah. we've seen more interesting and more more in-depth characters like the boss in, in that villain role but I just think from a menacing standpoint from just a coolness factor and that on-screen like gasp moment you have when you finally see him in a scene or doing something that's you know mad treacherous you're just like oh, holy shit that's I can tell you I can tell you playing the uh, remake that still hit like when he came when he showed uh, up when he wasn't supposed to show up, right? Like, and that was like, wait, he doesn't come out here and yeah. he comes up. That adds that holy sh- I mean, very uh, menacing, even now. And then having to fight him at the end of that game, it's like, that was terrifying. Man, I was terrified. Listen, I mean, he's so his presence is so dope. Yeah. I squealed. I think I threw my draws yeah. at my TV. <laughs> I, the draws hit the TV. The Bravia got hit with the. Um, I had to take, take it, man. You've earned it. I don't know what I mean yeah. by that. But, anyways, we're going to move on before I get embarrassed. Uh, let's go to. Uh, more of a fun category here, uh, taking a little bit of a break here from all the, the, the serious stuff for the next two uh, categories. So let, let's go through these real quick, man. Best, The best Walmart kiosk game you have ever played. Talk about it real quick. What do you got? Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader. Hey. I mean. This was almost my I, pick, man. I was almost about to was pick it? this. Yeah. I, was the- I don't know why, but Walmart had that motherfucker in that, oh. in that GameCube for like two years, years, bro. It was there for a <laughs> long time. Oh my and god! I I had a GameCube and I don't know why. And I liked the first Rose Squadron. But I don't know why I never actually bought Rose Squadron two. Never really got to it. And um, I would just go to Walmart and be like, I'm going to the game section to my mom. Uh, and I would go there and I would just fucking just be all over that uh. shit and just co- constantly play Rose Squadron two Rogue Leader. No, I don't, I couldn't even tell you that game was good or not because again it's not a game it, that I'm it, very familiar with. Apparently it's great and I think so was the third one according to most people. Yeah, so I played that. I played the shit out of that. And it's like Ugh. so weird. It was on there for so long. I you know I almost uh, 
I almost uh, thought about making this, but it was so specific to me. But like best game I played at um, uh, Rooms to Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, Rose Garden True Rogue Leader. Uh, yeah, that, that was my that was my kiosk game. It was choice. beautiful oh, I mean, for its I mean, time. That was a gorgeous looking game. Oh I was yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. GameCube got power. Right. Yeah, that was pretty. And I never, big. and I got a GameCube maybe like a year after it came out, maybe two years after it came out. And it was mostly in part by that, even though that's the game I didn't buy, but it was like, holy shit, the GameCube was dope. And the GameCube was kind of dope, though. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very underrated console, but but not the GOAT, obviously. Um, no, yeah. For me, it was a toss-up between Rogue Squadron 2, uh, Luigi's Mansion, and Pikmin. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion, holy I, shit. Yeah, I was, it was coming down to the wire, but I ended up choosing Pikmin because of the sheer weirdness of that game for, for, the, for the time. Yeah. I, I saw some kid in front of me playing it, you know, and we've all been in that you know, that 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 queue, right? Of like the kid in front of you, like hurry up, man, get the fuck out of here, you know, <laughs> so I can play it and be that guy for the next person, right? And that was the game I was watching somebody else play in front of me, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I'm watching, you know, in, in, and the person in front of me had no idea what, the, what what the hell to do, so they gave up and walked off. And I, I tried to figure it out from what I watched, and I'm like, oh, they're kind of like your little army men guys that do stuff for you and kind of build things or knock things down so you can move. And I'm like, this is so fucking weird. So I, I it, weird. it had this this just this weird like magnetic. Um, you know, forced to it in terms of like just making me glue in and like try to figure this game out. And it's weird because I never really became a huge Pikmin fan after that. It was just one of those games where when you're like, you're just marveling at something new and weird and different that you've never seen before. And I think that was what it did for me. It was just something that I just was like, what the fuck is that? I got to figure it out. Um, and and that was uh, that's why it was my pick. And I will say one last thing to Walmart. Fuck you for how you put those fucking TVs all the way up. Above Wait, the, my neck hurt. Oh my, my hurt. god, bro! Walmart neck is a real disease that that plagues lots of <laughs> lots of thirty year olds to this day, man. <laughs> hey, if you're thirty years old and your neck hurt, it's and you've been to Walmart, it's Walmart. Oh my it's god! Walmart. All right, man. Let's uh, let's move on to the next fun one, Pablo. What is the best best game that you played at my house? I play a lot of games at your house. I watched you play a lot of games at your house. You did. But the one game that that, that kind of stood out for me, and it's because it was a blast. It was Golden Axe on your Sega Genesis. Come on, uh, I love playing Golden Axe. We all we all get in that bitch, <laughs> sit down uh, on your bed right there, listen to some Ace of Spades or some shit like that, or or uh, Quad City DJ. We listen to Quad City and, DJs. <laughs> yeah, Quad City DJs. That's a real thing. He's uh, not lying. <laughs> yeah, and then we were like, come ride the train, and ride it, and then pop in Golden Axe, and just go to town, play for hours, play Golden Axe for hours. That that was. That's probably, I think, I mean, because you own a Genesis and Genesis has terrible games, I think excuse the goal. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Excuse me. Excuse me. You see Marco smiling like, yeah, reminiscing. He's like, he said, <laughs> His whole heart, his whole heart went into his mouth. Oh. No, no, yeah, I'm kidding. But Golden Axe was absolutely. Uh, and I think with Golden Axe, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, Golden Axe. I could be mistaken, but Golden Axe was probably the last hurrah on the Genesis in terms of games that we played together before you got your PlayStation. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that was kind of the last yeah. of it for me. Yeah, because we loved it. We loved it. We played a lot of it. Then we stopped playing it because I think you got the PlayStation. Yeah. that's what that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Golden Axe for me is undoubtedly uh, not that it was the best game you had because well, I, the best the best game I had was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. If we're gonna get technical. <laughs> 
I ain't never, I ain't never heard nothing like that. Uh, he loved that. He loved them kids. He loved them kids. That's all he did in the uh, game. He saved kids. Save kids. But uh, I mean, obviously, you, have, you play Metal Gear. Yeah, uh, yeah, we played uh, bo- bo- Bonsai bo- Bonanza Brothers. Bonanza Bros, which was a fucking blast to play. A lot of games. But anyway, uh, I watched you play a whole bunch of Forsaken, I think. Was it Forsaken? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh, no. Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve. I played Parasite Eve. Yeah, I did that. That yeah. was a thing. Um, yeah, but that's it. That's it. That's uh, That was it for me. Pick, Golden Axe was like the fucking... It's, and on its own, that's a fucking great game. Yeah, I love it. Classic, Golden man. I, I have great taste. Um, my pick uh, for <laughs> the best game I played at your house is uh, a game we talked about before. Um Still one of my favorite sports games of all time. Ken Griffey Jr.'s winning run. Um, Just quintessential good time baseball game um, that had uh, just such an addictive quality to it. Man, we uh, we talked about it, you know, some episodes ago uh, of how we we would, you know, try to uh, figure out which which player was actually which real life character and and try to like rename them. And uh, you would always pick the White Sox. I'd always pick the Mariners and you and Frank Thomas would would absolutely destroy me. But obviously, Ken Griffey was overpowered in that game, too. So um, that was also my favorite era of baseball and kind of, you know, where I dropped off soon after, so I remember all those uh, players from the time. So that was um, actually my favorite team was the Mariners. Uh, it still is, you know, overall now. But uh, just you know, just good memories of that man. Just you know, having a good time playing that game. It was. It didn't take itself too seriously at all. It was a fun game right. that that had. Uh, you, you had to have skill. Uh, it wasn't quite like the NBA Jam of baseball by any means, but it was more of like no. But it was definitely arcade. It was yeah. It was somewhere in the middle of that, and and what would be maybe a semi kind of game. So I won't spend a lot of time. Talking about it because I know we're not a sports, you know, gaming podcast per se, but um, love that game. Uh, still think about it every now and again, and and uh, what a good time that was. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, man. Let's uh, let's keep it moving here. We have uh, let's uh, let's get into Pablo the best story ever told in a video game. What is your choice? Uh, mine is Red Dead Redemption Two, baby. Ew. Ew. Ew, baby. I love I love the story of Red Redemption Two. I mean. It, it um on my top ten lists, I have Red Dead Redemption Two. It used to be Red Dead Redemption One, but I, for me, Red, Red Dead Redemption Two works a lot like a companion piece to One because it recontextualizes the Vanderlyn Gang uh, in every way. I mean, it gives you the opportunity to to kind of know Javier Escuela and Bill Williamson and uh, all these guys and kind of really understand uh, the dynamic. That were you only kind of could have hinted at in the first game itself, and because the first game is one of my favorite games of all time, and two also, also be one of my favorite games of all time, I I really enjoyed seeing and being with these characters, and obviously the introduction of Arthur Morgan for me was, you know, absolutely, and I know a lot of people don't like. Uh, Arthur Morgan or thought hey well how come John Marston never mentioned Arthur Morgan I get it I definitely understand that and that's definitely a complaint that I'll, that I'll have myself but seeing that story kind of play out behind Arthur Morgan and seeing that the, he was pretty much the 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 the, vaque, the vaquero with the heart of gold right like he was a he was a shitty ass gangster sure but uh he was also he had he had the, he had the most sense out of all of them and he was kind of like a, a father figure to even uh, John Marston and so kind of seeing that play out and seeing the whole story of the Vanderlyn gang really kind of just the first time that I could honestly and truly say that it was one of the f- one of the games that really evoked western film 
and, and obviously it wore that in its sleeve because there's a lot of moments that happen in the game that are directly ripped out of the movies themselves. Uh, and I just, I, I love that it, it, it was more of a, um, it was more of a, I, I'm not going to say simulation, but it definitely was a more true to that kind of game. Like It, it, it was more... Uh, Appaloosa or more uh, it's a movie uh, mm -hmm. uh, which is really realistic in its in its approach to western than it is uh, 310 to Yuma which is a more of a of an action-packed uh, uh, western film right so that I just love that entire kind of premise you know with Arthur Morgan going through it kind of getting your, your gang out of trouble and then you having to kind of keep your gang in control but then eventually all that spilling out and having to kind of uh, try to put this last score together in order to kind of get out of the life. And just so many things that happened in that game. And then obviously, again, how it all pours back into the original Red Dead Redemption 1. And, and, and at the, the at the very end, you're playing as John Marston and all that stuff that happens in 1. You see the beginning of it. I just, I just really, really loved it and how they managed to... Uh, I don't know. They, they managed to really kind of tell this really sweet story. And, 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 and I was attached to my horse when that event happened and in that moment when you're riding uh with your horse to that location and then the music is playing and it's 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 another incredible use of music that uh, red dead redemption has kind of given itself like it's it's known for for its music now and or those musical moments and that for me is as impactful or even more so than the mexico uh, thing in in, in in uh red dead redemption one mm. well but anyway I, I really really love the story of red dead redemption 2 that's and for me it's my favorite story uh in video games and again a lot of had to do with my sensibilities and my likes uh, of Western film as well. So that, that's why I picked it. All right. So uh, my pick for best story of all time uh, is is obviously Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone for the PlayStation. Duh. Um, yeah, nah. Everybody know that. Um, sorry, Justin, that shit still sucks. Um, all right. Should Let's be. talk about The Last of Us being the best story of all time. Because I think it is. Um, and, and, and that is, uh, you know, that's... That's putting it in some some pretty uh, amazing company, to say the very least. When you talk about games, you know, like Metal Gear and Final Fantasies and, and you know, KOTOR and stuff like that. I have Last of Us at top all of those because I think that the Joel and Ellie relationship is is beyond one of a kind. I think that there will never be another relationship like that one ever in terms of... Um, just this perfect porridge of, of who Joel was. And, and I, I have to push back a little on what you said earlier about Joel in terms of I think that I think that a lot of his his one note kind of ways is a result of circumstances that happened to him. You know, obviously, you know, with, with what happened to his his biological daughter. Um, and then obviously as as he kind of opens himself up to a new uh, you know kind of parent child relationship with Ellie and then of course Ellie you know uh, in the first game was just there was no one like her that I had ever seen in a game before in terms of it it wasn't just this innocent little kid who you know is naive and wet behind the ears and doesn't know how to get through life this was somebody who had spunk who who had a mouth um, who had a lot of yeah. depth and obviously um, with when they uh, when and they did some DLC for uh, for her. Um, you, you get a little bit more of backstory about how she became bit, uh, how she found out that she was immune, and you know, kind of who she was with, and, and kind of some of her preferences.
influences, to, to put it one way, uh, even as a young child, you know. So it was a really, really amazing opportunity to get to know uh, those two and to see how their bond and relationship evolved throughout the course of the game. Then you couple that with just the world itself and understanding what happened in this world, what, what, you know, what became of the survivors and what the survivors have done to kind of organize and structure around this new reality that they're all living in and you know getting to understand who the fireflies are and what their motives are getting to understand what Joel's motives were despite what the fireflies wanted to do uh, with Ellie and, and kind of how all that led up to the crescendo at the end of the game and and the the very difficult and selfish choice that Joel made uh, at the end of the game and 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 what would become you know some pretty heavy blowback from that in obviously the last of us part two but for everything that game had in it, uh, so many moments that I'll just never forget, so many moments that made me laugh, so many moments that made me st- have to stop playing for an extended period because it was just too, it was too much. Uh, like when they ran into um, the guy and his little brother and when they teamed up for a little while to kind of traverse through the city and then what, uh, you know, that guy's little brother got you know, infected and then, uh, you know, in, in this weird standoff moment, he, he blows his own brains out out of nowhere and you're just in the shock as the screen goes to black. Like, yeah. stuff like that, dude, has just always, always stuck with me ever since. And so I have to say that's my favorite story ever, uh, bar none, almost. So, um, yeah. Yeah. When it comes to stories, it's a little weird because, I mean, if you look at a story from beginning to end, um, something like um, like The Last of Us, very simple. Get her to here to there, right? But it's everything that happens in between, like the moments uh, of the story. Like KOTOR, the reason I didn't pick KOTOR is because KOTOR is a, a really good RPG that really stands out because of that end because uh, of the game itself. But that ending and the twist, a, an extra yeah. l- l- layer to it. But yeah. ultimately, that story is fine. But that the gameplay is excellent. But that ending is fantastic. So you know, it, it for me, I always I looked at it like you did. It was like the moments of each of each of yeah. these games and kind of like what they brought to the table. So yeah, that's a good. That's a I mean, fucking that's a great choice. All right, right man. So speaking of some, uh, well, maybe not speaking of, but here's here's some not so great, but still good choices uh, that we're going to have next for the best worst game of all time. So, Pablo, who do you have and talk about why? Uh, Okay, so uh, for me, my my best worst game is Advent Rising. Mm. Um, You know. Playing the game itself, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I guess I ignored a lot of the <laughs> criticisms of the game itself when it came out. I mean, ultimately, I think the game suffers from performance isn't amazing. The the, uh, the character, uh, the actual like uh, art style is kind of ugly mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. And then the biggest, like, oh shit, is the... Uh, the person who wrote it, which is uh, Orson... Orson Scott, Orson Scott, Scott Card, Card. Or yeah. yeah, Orson Scott Card or something, who, you know, created Ender's Game and all that good stuff, which, you know, at the time, that's an amazing get to write that game, except he turns out to be a massive homophobe mm. and just uh, just about a generally shit person. So, I mean, that that's... You know, that's a, that's a strike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a strike. That's a couple of And obviously... And honestly, the game was uh, very expensive to make. It was supposed to be a trilogy. And then it, it just didn't sell well enough to really uh, garner that. And obviously, the, a lot of the story itself is fine. Um, you know, being where you leave off and the glyph- cliffhanger of the game and, and all that. All that stuff, just it's good. But it's just... I, I think what really fucked this game over is like two years later, Mass Effect uh, comes out. Mm. And kind of just puts all this shit to rest. Uh, <laughs> but I love... But I love this game i really do i i enjoy i enjoy the game because i thought it was the first time that i felt like 
and this is kind of like a weird thing to say, I guess, but I kind of felt like a Jedi because mm. all the powers you had, and it was like this open, it was an open world, but it was like open spaces, and you were able to kind of uh, defeat enemies using these powers, and it, that worked really, really well, but I think I gave the game a lot of credit for the concepts, but not so much for the execution, because the execution of that wasn't amazing. And also, it felt like a really cool space game, because the game starts off with you on a ship, and having to land it in a spaceport, and all that you get in there, it's like a galactical empire type of thing. A lot of it, a lot of what Mass Effect is, um, was what Avid Ryzen was trying to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Avid Ryzen, obviously, is is, is a very by-the-numbers uh uh, science fiction like uh, Scott Carr didn't really try too much to make this a video game uh, story like pop uh, but I mean you know I, I, I anybody who is familiar with Ivan Rising I think a lot of people I don't know how you feel about the game specifically but I know a lot of people kind of feel the same way when it first came out it was kind of like if they actually played it they actually had a good time with it but ultimately with, with time passing it just wasn't a very good game yeah all around yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I pretty much feel the same way. I think it was a missed opportunity uh, for its time. I think there were just some missteps with the development. I think they shot a little too high for for what you know hardware can do at that point because there was a lot of technical Way issues that game high. had. So you you were fighting through a lot to to kind of stick around for the good stuff. But what was good in that game was very good. It's just that you had to you know like I said you had to fight through a lot to get to it. So I, I definitely understand that pick. Um, yeah, but I really I really enjoyed the game. I remember I remember like not understanding why. Like people were buying this game. I'm like, what's good? Yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it had some hype too coming yeah. into it. Yeah, so it was a little hard to yeah. understand at the time. But you know, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. Um, my pick, however, is uh, is a game called Alpha Protocol. Uh, this yeah. is a game that came out in 2010 uh, by Obsidian Entertainment. Uh, it is a third person uh, role playing game uh, with you know kind of an action adventure kind of vibe to it. Um, it's basically if if Jason Bourne was in like the, a Fallout kind of game, you know, in, in a sense of like structure, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So um, this game's gameplay was absolute dog shit. I mean, it was so so tough to to, to make it through the game with um, because because <laughs> it. it, it it was trying to be an action game in in a way, but it, then it had like the dice rolling stuff happening underneath it. Yeah. So you yeah, could yeah. be shooting somebody point fucking blank with your gun, a shotgun, and it'll miss. You know. Yep. So it's one of those games where it's like, oh my fucking goodness. Then why even make it like this? So there was a lot of frustration around that, but my god, the story was so good. Um, yeah. It looks so generic. Even even the art style, the graphics, even for its time, it was. It's it was rice cake bland. It's like what, what, what? Come on, like stop. Like what? Give me some, you know, a little something like to make it more interesting looking. But it didn't have that. But what it had uh, going for it was its dialogue, its voice acting, its characters, um, the way the dialogue options happened. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first game that had timed dialogue uh, choices before like a, a meter runs out. I could be wrong about that. I'd have yeah. to fact check that, but I, I, or, and I, or I could be completely wrong. It doesn't have that at all. It's been a long ass time. Um, but it, it's, it's just one of those games that had this, this, just this, this charm to it. And it's like, man, I, I really like this character. Oh, I really like that character. Oh, I, I, and then, you know, you, you have a lot of open-endedness in terms of who you want to kind of align yourself with, too. Um, so there were certain characters that, you know, most players who played through it uh, would always gravitate to. But I would, I would go the opposite route, and I would get what felt like a very different experience from it. 
uh, than everybody else got. So it was it was one of those unfortunate franchises that I think could have been really, really special um, if they had given the gameplay more love. But I think that was a period of time for Obsidian where a lot of their games were just too janky and too... Um, yeah too rough around the edges. Now, they knew how to make a good RPG. I just don't know if they knew how to, at that point, marry the, the, the RPG elements with compelling combat and gameplay to make something that really clicked like a Mass Effect could. Yeah, what's weird to me about that game is I think two years before that, and the reason I'm smiling here is because, again, we, we, we're at a point here where we're really close with our video game kind of experiences and tastes because I almost picked... Um, Oh my god, it's the board conspiracy game? That I think was it was actually like not Robert, that bad. <laughs> it was like Robert Ludlum's yeah, the board, I remember the that board game. conspiracy. Yeah. But that game came out two years previous. And and the thing with that is it's not an RPG, it's an action shooter, but it's very weird camera angle, a lot like Alpha Protocol. Uh, mm. And so Alpha Protocol almost seemingly was trying to be this game in a way, but be a more RPG storytelling uh, aspect of it. But uh, I liked... You know, it's funny because they're very similar games. But I, I, I almost had the uh, the Born Conspiracy review, uh, uh, game. Yeah. When I looked up Born Conspiracy, uh, it got it got some pretty bad reviews. Yeah. Uh, people really didn't like the way that the game kind of like looked in terms of like the camera angle and stuff. But yeah, it's funny how 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 far but close we were with picking our our, our games. Oh, I yeah. almost went with that, but I went the other way with it. Yeah. All right, all right, man. Let's keep it going here. We're getting to the tail end of this one, so let's uh, let let's get into another booty category here, man. Let's talk about the worst ending or maybe the most yeah. disappointing ending in in a video game that you ever played uh what do you got bioshock Ooh, you like bioshock oh i love bioshock but that that ending is horseshit so mm. basically i have to and i have to also you know it's not only the ending which was none plus it was fine it was the final boss uh in the middle of that game Oh, spoiler for Bioshock. In the middle of that game, Andrew Ryan, it, it turns out that Atlas uh, is the bad guy, who's this guy who's been talking to you through the radio the whole time. He's been mind-controlling you. He'd say, will you kindly, and then whatever fo- follows that, you have to do. And so you find that out. You find Andrew Ryan, who you think is the main bad guy of the game. This is about halfway through the game. Yeah. And it tells you, would you kindly kill Andrew Ryan, and you kill Andrew Ryan with a golf club. And it was, and it is an absolute incredible twist of a video game uh, for a video game. Uh, and if we ha- we had a category for best twist in a video game, that would probably be up there along with Kotor. But anyway, um, for me, uh, that game that was that was like the apex of that game. The game where it got it was no- it was nothing better than that time that mm-hmm. frame in that game. But then you start getting towards the end, and the game is good throughout. But when you get to fight Atlas finally, he is this big ass Doctor Manhattan looking <laughs> fucking monster. And then everything about the game, everything about the game itself, with the story and and all this little this decisions you have to make with the with the little sisters and all that stuff, all that becomes gets thrown out the window, and it becomes this regular ass shooter where you have to shoot Atlas and who looks like fucking this blue piece yeah. of shit, and it is absolutely not fun. It is it, it is it is it is just so against what that game was because yeah there was shooting in the game and there was a lot of it at, at times but it was like you you fought a whole bunch of bosses before and each of those bosses were unique were interesting very in, uh, uh, compelling stories behind them none of this for Atlas mm. none of it 
absolutely uh, a jealous guy who wished it was Andrew Ryan. It's now he's this blue piece of shit because he took this medicine because he wanted to be the ultimate splicer, <laughs> and now it's it's bullshit. It's complete ass. And then the payoff of the game itself, where you either save little sisters or don't save little or harvest them or you do somewhere in between that there's three endings the game talks about having multiple endings those the only true ending is the only good ending is the one where you save all the sisters and you leave and you adopt all the sisters Woo, great wonderful it's really kind of a whatever ending the other two endings are about the same whether you harvest all of them or you harvest only some of them you, the splicers take over uh, uh rapture and then that's it it's it's just such a like the ending of the game with the boss fight and then that scene plays out it's just so it doesn't compare to the middle of the game where you literally kill Andrew Ryan based on the fact that you're being mind controlled and it all comes all everything that you, you thought was 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 there is a lie everything is a lie you know <laughs> and then you know that doesn't really it's just so ridiculous to me because I mean uh, such a fucking seminal game well and, and the ending is the reason why it's not in my top 10 of all time mm. um it's just one of those things where it's it's such a dud and it's such a fucking pain in the ass too. Mm-hmm. It's 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 weird. And, and for all the shit that um, that uh, Bioshock Infinite gets, for all the shit that a game does, the, the the ending is at the very least interesting, if not a little self indulgent uh, by uh, by Ken Levine. <laughs> I, I mean, very self indulgent. But I mean, at the very least, there's something there. There's there's a there's a a, a time mechanic that happens at the end where it was like that game where you're like oh shit kind of blows your mind a little bit no matter how when you think about it it's like that's kind of shit or it's not it's very over um you know he overthought the shit of that but anyway at least it's something yeah with 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 the first bioshock it is so nothing it is fucking painful worst ending of all time bioshock all right man i I think you're wrong i think the worst ending of all time is undoubtedly halo 2 um and and i think that there's you know uh, oh yeah the rough ending the the well-documented development woes that that game had um is is uh, is literally the reason why that ending sucks so bad but i i think that you know as time has gone on i think that that the impact of that ending being so poor that cliffhanger ending uh has kind of gotten lost on people but i think if if you were a part of halo for its time and you realize this is the last i'm gonna get of halo for a couple years and it ends on a note like that, where it's just it just cut to black, and like there's there's nothing that you thought was going to happen even remotely. Um, that was there was nothing leading up to that ending, it, really it at all. Kind of happened. I know. Yeah, it, it was the ultimate gut punch. I mean, I would have taken a bad boss fight uh, or a series like a boss rush or something like that to to make that feel more meaty. I would have taken, um, you know, I would have taken virtually anything. Um, rather than what we actually got out of that ending. And, and you know, the, the whole finishing the fight thing and, and, and just the way that that felt, uh, it just it undermined and undervalued all of the um, the big moments and the, and the impactful things that you did throughout that campaign. Now, I, I'm not a really big lover of Halo 2 in general. I think that that game is... Um, I think it's a bit, you know, of a step backward in a lot of ways compared to the first Halo. What? I think that the corridor, it's more corridor shooter heavy than, than you oh, know, more how it spacious too. it was in, in the original Halo. I, I just think that it, it lacked some of the, the openness and uh, it, the original Halo felt more like that a playground in a sense, whereas Halo 2 felt re- very much more confined to me. And I think that they, they, they definitely improved upon that in Halo 3, but uh, again, that's, that's about the game itself. I think the ending yeah. to me was just 
really, really abysmal. It was disrespectful to um, you know the rest of the campaign, which was all right. Uh, I'm not saying it was bad. I just think that um, you know it, it just undervalued all of that to me. So I had to pick that as my worst ending ever, just because it was literally an unfinished thing that they couldn't even do. So yeah, and and I and I get that, and that's definitely always going to be there when it talks about worst ending. That's just yeah. for me. I, Bioshock to me is it's such a incredible beginning with the plane crashing, and then the the mind uh, control thing twists, and you're like, holy shit, how's this game going to end? And it's literally like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's kind of it just. It, he made this choice. He, you know, it wasn't no time constraint. It was like, and and this is how it's gonna end. It's <laughs> fucking trash. Yeah, but I mean, that's yeah. a good, that's a great pick. Yeah. All right, man. We're down to the last three. So let's get through these. You start. You go through this one because you we both have the same one. So we start do. It off yes, and I'll jump we in. do. So yeah. um, the uh, the best boss fight of all time. Uh, in my opinion, speaking of boss fights, speaking of you know, you know, kind of going from bad to good here, I think that the boss, uh, that that boss fight in MGS three to me is just, um, it is, it's perfect on so many different levels. I think that it's it's purposely frustrating on one hand yep. because you can feel. It, what can be easily confused as cheapness to some of the you know yes. moments that happen in the battle, but it's supposed to feel unfair because you're going up against the boss, you know, and 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 I think it really makes her feel like she is just this untouchable thing. Um, but then as the you know the boss battle goes on, you start kind of chipping away, and you feel that 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 little bit of progress and that little bit of momentum and it starts to kind of build a little bit more and a little bit more it's still a grind for sure um but there's something about that feeling of i'm i'm getting there i'm getting there i'm oh i'm, I'm hitting her it's it's like you know it's it's like seeing superman bleed you know it's it's a little bit of that in a, in a yeah. sense right um it's a beautiful boss fight in terms of you know yes. literally where you are you know that flower field you know with all the white flowers her outfit matching it and everything just stylistically it's just a beautiful space for you know two people that 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 have a love for each other outside of what happened in the story up till that point have this 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 core you know passion for each other where it it, it felt like this is where it should be this is where it should happen um, with these two people. Um, and then obviously when you finish the boss fight and you get to that ending and, and you're given control of, of, of Naked Snake to, um, you know, finish the boss off and the music that plays still sticks with me and it gave me goosebumps then, it gives me goosebumps now actually just thinking about it. Um, it it's, yeah. it's, it's a really powerful moment of, of, you know, saying goodbye, um, you know, understanding that, it's that this so is it. Hard. Oh man, boys to men should have been standing in the background of that flower field. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they should have been there. Uh, come on, Kojima. Um, but man, it, it was just it. It was poetry in some ways. It was um, it was art in others. It was again. It was that frustrating challenge, and it was that that feeling of 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 chipping away at something that feels insurmountable, as you've been led to believe and see yeah. all game long. That just made that for me on so many levels. Outside of oh, that's just a cool boss because it took this form and then the, it mutated no, into no. this. It, it was so much more than that, and I think it was just a beautiful way to end that game and a beautiful boss fight overall. Yeah, that game has a very uh, very hard job to do because for me, looking at the best boss fights of all time, you could probably pick two out of Metal Gear Solid Three uh, yeah. with the end. And, and and the boss so there's a lot of incredible boss fights 
even with the sorrow uh, that happened in the game itself, where you kind of uh, have to end it in a way where not only is it outdoing the other boss fights because it's the end of that of that thing, but also it's it's it means a lot to to, to Naked Snake right. and, and to the boss. Like it's there has to be the meaning to it. And then, like you said, it was so cool. Like if you had a weapon equipped. And she, you come, and she comes after oh, you. Yeah. She'll dismantle. She'll destroy the weapon. You have to go around yes. and pick up the pieces of the weapon to use it. And that's so dope because she is like this fucking incredible person with uh with the, oh with, she'll with, deconstruct with her, the shit out of your gun, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like it works really well. And then you know the fact that she knows where you are pretty much at all times. You know, it is it, and it makes it seem like she doesn't until she turns around and runs right at you. Uh. And if you try to. Get up and fight her. She'll fucking destroy you. What you have to do is wait for the last, yeah, the last moment possible, and then hit circle, and he'll flip her over, and that's how you can knock her out and get some damage into her. But the game doesn't tell you that. You just kind of have to like put all these things together and understand how good she is at what she does. And um, but man, and of course you said the ending. You 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 said it all perfectly. The ending, the just kind of like the the the. Just the way that they ended the game and where they ended it and how it looked and how impactful it was. It was, it, it's really truly a great boss fight, but not because it, not only was it emotionally impactful, not only because it made sense to the story, it was good storytelling, but also it was mechanically a great boss fight. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, it was frustrating at times, sure, but you never felt, for me, I never felt like I, uh, I never felt lost in the fight. Like, I knew exactly what I needed to do. It's yeah. just frustrating because it was hard for me to do it at times, you know, and making mistakes. I mean, I know she dismantled my, my gun, like, three times, different guns, because I kept <laughs> fucking pulling out my gun. Like, I didn't, I didn't sink in, like, oh, bro, she knows she knows what the fuck is up. So, only use the gun where you're going to use it and, and put it away as quick as possible. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't know of any other boss fight that is as good as this. And matter of fact, when you really think about it, boss fights, especially any boss fights, usually are kind of trash. Like they usually aren't great. Like like metal like uh like uh, Mass Effect Two comes to mind with the big monster, the face monster, or the big uh oh the Reaper, uh, the Reaper, the human the Reaper, Reaper yeah. the, the big rumor, the human Reaper. That's just kind of lame. It was pretty lame. Yeah. You know, it's like little things like that to make it epic. Just feel. Don't feel great. And yeah. this game managed to do that and did it in a spade, so I love it. All right, man. Um, coming up is the best games we never played. Um, so obviously we can't talk at length about these because we, we haven't played them. Uh, but yeah. let's go ahead and go through them real quick. Um, who do you got for your uh, – what do you have, rather, for the best game you never played? Diablo 2. Um, it's a game, especially when Diablo three Diablo three came out, mm-hmm. and then after it got fixed, people talking about the legacy of Diablo. And now that it's getting remade, you know, um, people's talking about people's just talking about <laughs> people talking about the legacy Diablo, of Diablo. Yo, and, and, Diablo, yeah, you know, they talk about it. They're saying things about it. Saying things about the devil, you know. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so Diablo, you know, it's out. It's it's a game that I've always knew about. Always saw, yeah. but I never played it. I, I never ever played it. Uh, I, I can't even remember. If, like I was telling Marco, we're trying to. Uh, what what game haven't I played that's like people consider a good game? And you know, being that we're super like hardcore video game fans, we pretty much touched. We dabble like in the, most uh, things, a, yeah. a lot of games. But Diablo two, I can't. I, I told him I don't even care remember if I played it. He goes, if you can't remember you played it, and Diablo two for all intents and purposes, for what people say, it's a fucking phenomenal game. You would know. And so Diablo 2, the the uh, the remake is coming. I'm super excited to finally touch that game for mm-hmm. the first time. Like a virgin, mm. touch Diablo for the very first time. You're not supposed- <laughs> I'm crying. All right. 
That was so beautiful with my tears. I know you're crying too. Uh, yeah, so Diablo 2 is the uh, best game I never played. It was but w- that will be fixed soon enough. Yeah, yeah, and that was the worst music note I've ever heard. Um, so. It's uh, vibrato. You don't know anything about music. <laughs> 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 All right, the the best game I never played, uh, according to Pablo and, and many others on the internets, is Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. So uh, I think we yeah. talked about this uh, in, in, in a previous episode. Um, you know, as far as me not having touched last this, week. yeah, it might have been last week. Yeah, I don't, I don't know my life. Um, this one for me is intriguing because you know I, I've never been a big PC gamer at all, so that that's prob- that's probably why this one just kind of passed by, and I never you know you know looked at it or, or gave it a, a thought because I think it was that, and plus the fact that the box art looks really like like low budget goofy looking kind of like like one of those like throwaway games that you see like in a bargain bin but it's not so yeah it, it was one yeah, of those it looks, it's a terrible it's terrible it's pretty yeah. awful and it's it still yeah it looks yeah. even worse now but um but i you know since the last episode i i did watch some some youtube videos on it to get a little bit more of an understanding about what it is and and kind of uh whether it's the right kind of game for me and i i think it it, it checks uh, quite a few boxes i think that it's yeah. just going to be a matter of is there too much of that old school pc game dna in there that's going to turn me off because i'm just not big on it um yes it yeah that, that's my worry does it have controller support it, i i think so if it doesn't I i'm th- never going to play it <laughs> I think so. I I can't remember. Yeah, I think so. Though. I'm not going to so. be W A S and Ding that game. That's that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I'll have to check into that. I, I never looked into that actually, so that's got to be a little worried. But uh, it, provided that it does, I know my laptop can run it now, so I will I will play it if it if it has controller support to some degree. I'm, I'm looking it up right now and see if it has it. All right. Uh, uh, is Vampire Recre- uh, <laughs> Anyway, use controller. I can't find it right now, but that's all right. Um, that's all right. It, it, you know, yeah. it, it's uh, that's that's going to be the deal breaker for me, though. So anyway, uh, best game I've never played, according to what I've heard, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines. We'll see. Pablo loves it. Pablo swears by it. Um, so hopefully, it. I will feel the same when I get around to it. Hopefully, so that's my pick. Yeah. All right. So last pick in the all-time game awards, Pablo is what is the best year in gaming of all time. I went instinctive, instinctively on this. Like okay. I, I didn't do research. Okay, I mean I did research on my year once I picked the year, but in my head I'm thinking I know I've always thought that this year was the best year in video games, and I never really. I, obviously I'm sure that I looked it up before, but I never really thought about it as to why or have thought about it for a while. And so I go 1998. Mm. 1998 is the best year in video game, and I when I checked the, the list of games that came out in 1998, I'm like. Fuck yes! All right, talk it about it. It is one hundred percent nineteen ninety eight. I have not seen two thousand and one though. I'm, I have vague. I do think I know a lot of what came out two thousand one. And I'll be honest with you, Mark. That's my I think pick. I got the better year. What? Huh? What do you say? I didn't say that. I didn't say. That. You said. You said. Uh, you said your pick is better than mine. I think so. Oh, you're wrong. Let's, let, let, well, let me rattle off some games. Let, let's 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 compare. So let me let me go. Let me t- let me tell you. Let me. Give you the critically critically acclaimed games. Let's the critically the critically let's, let's just do that. Right. <laughs> just do that. No, right, let's do it. Okay, The Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Okay. Tekken Three, Half Life, Metal Gear Solid, mm-hmm. Resident Evil Two, Starcraft, Banjo Kazooie, Baldur's Gate, Link's Awakening, Crash Bandicoot uh, Warped, Xenogears. Oddworld Exodus, 1080 Snowboarding, which is a personal favorite of mine. Okay. 
Turok 2, uh, NFL Blitz, uh, let's see, Unreal came out, NBA Live 99, which I liked that year, uh, Need for Speed 3 Hot no, Pursuit. No, no, you're starting to dig down at the bottom of the barrel there, Donna Boy. And Madden, well, I mean, it's a <laughs> lot of games. And then Madden, and then Madden 99. Okay. Th- those, I mean, th- that was, Madden 99 was my favorite Madden for a long time. But anyway, um, I mean, you got seminal games. You got Ocarina of Time. You got the first Metal Gear Solid. You got the first Half-Life. Okay? You got Resident Evil 2. And, you know, you got StarCraft. You got, I mean, you got incredible games here. I think 1998 is by far the best video year in video games. Close, close, uh, close second is 2021. Uh, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> this year's the best game. No, I'm kidding. Listen. What do you got? Listen, 2001 is easily... Peasily, better than 1998. Um, 1988 was a great year. Great year. Good times were had. And great games. For sure. For sure. But let's run through some of mine. All right. We've got Halo Combat Evolved, Grand Theft Auto 3, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, Grand Turismo 3, Devil May Cry, SSX Tricky, Advance Wars, Final Fantasy X, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Conquer's Bad Fur Day, Twisted Metal Black, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, Star Wars Rogue Squadron yeah. 2, Rogue Leader, Jack and Daxter, alright, what else we got, Shenmue 2 if you're a fan of Shenmue, Max Payne, NBA Street, Pikmin, uh, what else we got, what else we got, let's see, Super Monkey Ball, Silent Hill 2, alright, come on, Silent Hill 2. I All think right. 2001 slays 1998. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now, both years were great. This isn't, uh, you know, but you know, I, I'm obviously right. That's pretty good. Yeah. I win. Uh, so, that concludes <laughs> our... So, my game of the year is 2011. Excuse me. Which excuse is me. Uh, Arkham <laughs> City, uh, Skyrim, to Portal 2. Hold up. <laughs> No, that, uh, no, that's going to wrap up our uh, our all-time game awards. We hope you guys enjoyed that one. Tell us if we got it right or wrong. All right? Get on Twitter. Get on uh, Instagram. Jump on. Find us at Cool Down Time Pod. Tell us what you would have picked for some of these categories. Man, what did we mess up? We're, we're, we're human. We make mistakes. Just not, not this time. Not in this episode. After all. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, Pavel, let's go ahead and close this out. We are ready for the Cool Down Countdown. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, quickly, Pablo, go ahead and recap your list so far, and then tell us your number six game. Number ten, Dark Souls three. Number nine, Celeste. Number eight, The Last of Us. Number seven, Red Dead Redemption two. And number six, Super Mario World. Number six, Super Mario World. That is my number six game of all time. I mean, it is the for me the best Mario game. Um, you know. Mario Bros. 3 is up there. Uh, people love that game, and I love it too. But I think Mario World, not only is it the best Mario game and one of the best platformers of all time, it is kind of like encapsulates kind of my... It is it is this, it is the game that really got me got me to love Nintendo. Like, it is my... The game that I'm, I'm all... Now I'm a Nintendo kid. It was Super Mario World. And it was just uh, from the co- art style, the color, from the, the introduction of Yoshi... And, and all that stuff, I mean, really, that, that game and, and, and the game itself is just, it is still, to this day, to today, a, a, a game that you can play. 
from beginning to end and not feel in any way that it is old or it just it's a, it's a modern it feels it still feels like a modern 2d uh platformer because so many platforms that come out today so many indie are are modeling that game itself and it, it feels like that i mean yeah. they got the perfect they just it just they got it down the formula is so perfect it is for me uh we'll go down as the best mario game um Period. Even compared to 3D Mario games, and it, and you know, there's not much to be said because it isn't like Red Dead Redemption, or The Last of Us, or Celeste, where there's a lot of themes going into no. it and that, that speak yeah. to me in many ways. It is just pure fun, and it is really, it's the inception. Like ga- games have evolved, have grown, and become more than just the fun, right? Like again, examples: Last of Us, yeah. Red Dead Redemption Two. All these, they're more now than they've ever been. They've they've matured, but at the beginning. These were the games that really propelled video games forward, and it was all about uh, making the one thing that you know about video games, especially then platformers, making it better, making the best platformer you can make. And for me, top-notch Super Mario World, I don't think there could be other games that have matched it, but to me, even in 2021, Super Mario World is among the best platformers of all time. Yeah. And it is my number six uh, game of uh, all time. You really could have just said the game and then stopped because I mean it's just yeah. there's no it takes no explanation. It speaks for itself. Yeah, it just speaks for itself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So also, oh, go ahead. I go would ahead. say that also it being a number six seems a little high, but there was in the next episodes we'll I'll talk more about me letting go nostalgia more mm. and embracing newer games, mm. though. My my best games of all time are, are older games, but like there was a there was a very I had a, a when I was making these lists back in the day because I always make lists I would not move games that came out before 1999 oh. I just wouldn't do it it's like it, uh, that's a good game here that that's what got me into video games and that's it it doesn't matter if this game is that much better yeah. it doesn't really no yeah yeah I was it was it was it, that's why Super Mario has in the last couple of years fallen to six. And you'll see what games are above it, but yeah, yeah that's just kind of I wanted to kind of give that out there. Yeah, I, I definitely get it. One of my one of my you know up there games dropped a little bit too that I'll, I'll probably get into. I think in the next episode as well. So uh, there's a little, little tantalizing tease for y'all listeners out there. Um, let me go ahead and recap mine real quick, and uh, I'll get into my number six. So my number ten was Final Fantasy VIII. My number nine was Persona Five. Number eight was Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater. Number seven was Metal Gear Solid Two Sons of Liberty. And my number six game of all time is The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, I talked about this game. Hey, I'm clapping, yes. not drinking off. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that didn't sound right at all. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, girl, got you like that, boy? Um, all right, so... Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Geralt uh, and, and just how you know amazing of a character he is because we already covered those bases earlier on in this episode here. Uh, but what I will say is that this is a game that, um, and I said this many times before, but it's happened so few times in my gaming life. But it's one of those games that leave you that leave you feeling empty. Like I, I don't know if I'll ever be play anything that's gonna do what this game did yeah. for me type of things and. Um, you know, this was a game that uh, was so expansive, had so much, um, you know, depth and detail and, and intrigue and just amazing, unforgettable and flawed ass characters um, that, that every mm-hmm. every corner of this game was captivating from beginning to end. I mean, uh, you know, even even things that are so trivial and so kind of pointless about other games like side missions, side quests were done so brilliantly in this game that it, it's inspired. I think it's inspired games like Assassin's Creed in, a, in, in 
honestly, in most ways, um, you know, to to try to think outside of the box oh, yeah. with side missions and create little twists and turns that make you go, oh, that's not what I thought this was going to be at all. This sounded like it was going to be a collectathon, but then this thing happened, and now this whole mission turned into something totally different. That this game does that so incredibly well that it's 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 just brilliant. It makes things that that might feel grindy, like um, like uh, you know, crafting armor, crafting you know, new weapons, like the legendary weapons, stuff like that. To me, like it was it was work for sure. But when you leveled up your armor and you saw how the next one looked and how it looked on Geralt and the fit was just on point and then you're doing his hair up the way you want it done and you got the beard coming through, Ooh, growing good. in real time. It's like look at this boy out here, you know. Um, so. That stuff was amazing, uh, and, and and I just think that uh, to me, it's it's the game that people are always it it, it and Skyrim to me are going to be the two games that always come up when it comes to an open world action adventure RPG kind of thing from now on for forever until the next Elder Scrolls forever, come yeah. out or the next Witcher comes out. Um, it, it, those games are just going to be the, the and those the games will be standard. compared to the. And those games will be compared to themselves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this game, you know, without getting too breathy about it, is is just um, it, it is it is uh, amazingly great. Uh, I've I've beaten it about six or seven times on PS4 yeah, and same. Xbox One. Uh, I didn't play it on Switch because it looked like asshole. Because it's, uh, but it is still kind of a cool feat that they did it on Switch. You know, just in Absolutely. general. But um, man, I, I love this game. I, I will probably play it again when they uh, optimize it for Series X and PS5. I'm not gonna oh, lie. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do it uh, just because it's 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 The Witcher and I can't resist. I've been. I've been itching to play it again, but ever since I know they're gonna make it, uh, you know, they're gonna upgrade it to the next gen. I've I've been really holding. On. I have it downloaded, ready oh, to go too. I'm so I, ready. I, can't, I, I can't. I I can't wait myself. Um, one thing I'll say about your your pick, uh, you know, you said that crafting items can be work. I find that The Witcher Three, almost, you don't have to do any of that. No, 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 no. You know, and that's what's cool about it because there are games, there are other RPGs that you absolutely must. You absolutely have yeah. to, and I found that the cool thing about Witcher Three, which I did, I crafted potions and I crafted oh. armor, All the but time. you don't have to. You don't have to, which is really—it's a really cool thing that they did. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a expansive, complicated RPG, but also very user friendly at times. Yeah, as well. definitely. Yeah. It, yeah. Peak peak video game experience of all time for sure. Um, that was our number sixes, but you, the listener, will always be number one in our hearts uh, for listening to this week's show. So thank you so much for your time. You're listening uh, to us, and hopefully, if you're following us on Twitter and Instagram too, we love you just as much. If you sub to our podcast, we might just have to meet in person, um, you know, and just and just go on a date. But uh, you know, uh, well, Pablo's married, um, but I'm not. I'll chaperone. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate y'all's time. Thank you so much for checking out this week's show. And remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That way our toxic ass opinions will always be in your FOV. You're welcome. And we will see you next time.